podcast where we attempt to determine which action star had the highest body count in movie history currently by watching every sylvester stallone movie one at a time i'm kevin keen and i'm mike olson and today we'll be discussing the lords of flatbush released by columbia pictures on may 1st 1974 starring perry king sylvester stallone henry winkler paul mace susan blakely maria smith and renee paris written by stephen f verona Gail Gleckler and Martin Davidson, directed by Stephen F. Verona and Martin Davidson. Yes, the Lord apostrophe S of Flatbush. Yes. <laughs> Luckily for like their marketing campaign and all that, they fixed it. I have some stuff to pull up later, but uh, okay. that drove me crazy. The Lords with an apostrophe of Flatbush. <laughs> I mean, I guess they could be saying... The Lord is of a Flatbush. Apparently, like, maybe <laughs> maybe there were There's, overtones here that I missed in this movie. Yes, exactly. They're trying to send the message that some higher power is from Flatbush. The well, Lord is of Flatbush. But I, anyway, I wish that Lord would have made a more interesting movie. <laughs> okay, I think this this will be an interesting episode because the first ten minutes of watching this movie, my heart was sinking because I'm going, "Oh no, we got another movie. We're going to be bad mouthing it," you know, and it just it. It seemed like one of those kinds of movies that I tend to hate, and I've talked about it a lot. I don't like a bunch of stuff that happens kinds of movies. But as the movie went on, it actually kind of grew on me, and I, really? I okay. ended up enjoying this movie. Oh, well, that's good. that is good to hear. So for me, I'm a, you're going to have to fill me in and help me figure out what I missed. Because sure it's just a matter of taste. I'm sure you didn't miss anything. Like, well, no, there's anything to miss. It's to just, me, it just seems like this movie. There's a bunch of scenes and things that happen, but I'm not sure how well it really comes together. I think it could have portrayed the characters' arcs a little more cleanly. I mean, it's, it's a messy movie, and it's so low budget. Yeah, that it definitely is. So, I mean, that's driving a lot of it. After a while, I just kind of had to forgive the movie for its low budgetness. I mean, there are some scenes you just can't even hear. The sound is terrible. The music in this movie is execrable. It is so bad. The the songs are bad, and they're just placed in without any care. Yeah, you know, songs are playing underneath dialogue scenes. It's just like this. The the lyrics of the song are clashing with the dialogue. The, the movie's badly made, but I did think that a lot of the characters. Arcs, especially Sylvester Stallone's character. I, I I appreciated sort of, in the end, it didn't strike me as just a bunch of stuff that happened, just a bunch of scenes thrown together. I, I do think there is a story that has a beginning, middle, and end. It's kind of under the surface in a lot of ways, because okay. a, lot, a lot of the scenes had nothing to do with that story, and they're yep. just about, like, <clears throat> wacky hijinks with the Lords of Flatbush. But underneath it all, I do think that there's a through line, that, and I enjoyed the through line. It was enough to get me through. Okay. In, a, in the same way that, like, uh, you know, uh, not Pumping Iron, what's the Arnold movie, his first movie? Uh, At Stay Hungry. Stay Hungry, yeah. I'll see. I, I much preferred Stay Hungry. Sure. But it, there are some parts of Stay Hungry where it's just, like, wacky stuff is happening. That, the, club, the The gym owner is having weird, like, yeah. sex, like, scenes, and, like, stuff that had nothing to do with anything. But in the end, that movie, I mean, I, I do think that movie had a stronger through line. Than oh, this absolutely. One. But, but I, I think underneath it all, there's there's a story that I I enjoyed. I mean, I, I'm not going to say I loved it, but I, I thought it was an interesting movie. I I wish it was more competently made. 
But in the well, end, I kind of forgave it for that because it's just a low budget. Yeah, I was going to say maybe based on the budget, it actually may have been competently made. They just didn't have enough money to. Well, no. I mean, the, the music and the music, like whatever you call it, the spotting, I think is like the term so. for it. Yeah. You know, the way that the music is used was just, that's just a creative choice and that's just bad. <laughs> it's just bad. The songs are bad enough, but whatever. Like they obviously didn't have the rights to, I mean, this is a movie that wants to be American Graffiti. Yeah. But it can't afford to be American Graffiti. It can't afford all the songs. Right. You know, because that movie is just relying on, oh, here's all the hits from the 50s. We're going to play them all, you know, and, and, I think George Lucas is very good with sound. Like I think that's like one of his strengths is, you know, the sound in his movies are all, is always amazing. And American Graffiti is no different. He, like the way he places songs in the movie, it's not distracting. It doesn't clash with the drama at all. Here it's just like oh, American Graffiti had songs. We can't afford it. Let's just hire a guy who lives down the street, I guess, to write a bunch of songs that are kind of in the style of the fifties, but don't really sound authentic at all. It sounds like a seventies. Like reproduction, folk, yeah, a folk band trying to reproduce fifties. Like, it sounds like the Carpenters doing. I can see Nineteen fifties music. It's terrible. So that's not like oh, low budget. You know, yeah, that's, that's a decision. That's a creative decision. But you know, I, I just end up getting past it. All right. Well, you'll you'll help me kind of see the thread because I I definitely did not see much of a thread. What I did get from this is I, I do think that. Uh, I think Stallone's given a good performance. Uh, unfortunately, he doesn't have a ton of... I wanted to see more of Henry Winkler, and I think some of that is just because I really have enjoyed him in kind of his later years on stuff. Um, yeah. I would have liked to have seen more. He, I mean, he barely is in this movie. Yeah, but he's he's very, very good, I think, in the stuff that he's... No, he, that, and I, I think that's that's like the disappointment for me. And whoever... Um, oh, who's the... So you've got... Perry King is the lead. Yeah, as Chico. Chico. S- Sylvester Stallone as Stanley. Henry Winkler as... Uh, got it here. Butchie. Butchie. And then I can't remember who Paul Mace is. Uh, He's the little Wimpy. guy. Wimpy, that's right. You know, Wimpy doesn't have very many scenes, and, and that's probably fine. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more from uh, Butchie. He's not, neither one of the other two of the Lords are very well-rounded. They get really minimal screen time here. It's minimal screen time in the case of Henry Winkler, but I, I think he, has a, he also has a bit of an arc. Really? I think so, because his character is smarter than he lets on, and he's, he's, he's kind of a jokester, and he's very sarcastic. I, every time Henry Winkler opened his mouth, I was smiling, because he's, he's he always has funny things, like just comments about what's going on, and then he's got the scene with like the malt shop guy, yeah. where the guy's like, you're, you're smart, but you're also real stupid, or whatever. Yeah. He's like, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty dumb, but I'm smarter than you, because you don't know how smart you are, whatever he says. Yeah. Something like that. But I liked that, I liked that kind of going on in the background, and... I think there's a sense that some of these guys are going to grow out of this delinquency and some of them are not, you know, it's not, they don't hit the nail on the head, but I mean, I do think that that's sort of what this movie's about. What all the, the through line is about is I think, you know, Stallone's character and Henry Winkler's character, they're, they're two guys who are starting to understand that like, there's more to life than just like hanging out and like smoking cigarettes and occasionally stealing a car with absolutely no consequence, uh, <laughs> you know, but, and, and like, I think that's I think that's what the through line is and what the movie's about. And you get the sense that the two of them are the guys who are going to grow out of this and go on to bigger, Wimpy. yeah, and go on to bigger and better things. And uh, no, I'm saying, yeah, uh, what I'm uh, saying Stanley is that, and yeah, and what I'm saying is Chico and Wimpy most likely are not right. There's no sense that they're. He even says like, ah, I'm not going to grow up or because uh, uh, Susan Blakely's character 
We're seeing Susan Blakely again. She was in uh, 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 Over the Top. I don't have many notes, but that's what Christina Hawk is back. <laughs> that's right. I mean, I guess that's, that, that could very plausibly be where the two of them ended up. Her and Stanley. He ended up as a truck driver, and <laughs> yes. she you know, married Stanley. Like, I could see, I could very easily see that happening. Maybe, that, maybe it is. <laughs> maybe it's, uh, we just didn't realize that they changed their names, and he became, uh, sure. Uh, I don't remember Lincoln, what Hawk. Lincoln, Lincoln Hawk. Thank you, Lincoln Hawk. Yeah, I, I think the movie would have benefited, even though it's a cliche. It, wouldn't, it wasn't as much of a cliche at the time, but I think it would have benefited from a text thing at the end being like, Chico went on to do whatever, and Stanley went on to, you know, here's where they went with their lives. Because American Graffiti ends that way, like Animal House even. like I think for a movie like this where it's set in the past and we're seeing it's a coming-of-age thing, that would have helped to, I think, drive home that... The thread that you say is there, yeah. Th- by the end of this movie, these characters are all on different, different trajectories. Paths. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, all right. I liked it though. So. All right, well that's good. I'm glad that I'm glad that we're both not going to be as down. I think I'll be down on it, but not as much as some of the other ones that I think we've recently. Feel done. free to be down. I mean, whatever it's your opinion. I, right. I don't think I'm going to be able to convince you this is a good movie if you didn't enjoy it. I just, all right. like I said, I, I I was not enjoying it until it sort of resolved itself, and I kind of I could see it as like a whole, and I kind of like, okay, this movie is actually about something. It's not just a bunch of stuff that happens. All right. If it had been, I would have agreed with you. All but right. uh, let's uh, get started. That's what day is it? What year? Sorry. Uh, no, no problem. It is May 1st, 1974. Uh, you are correct. What I could find was a $160,000 budget. Again, mm-hmm. who, who really knows the accuracy of these? Uh, and it's, in this, box office numbers were impossible to find. What I did find, but there's an asterisk because it's Wikipedia. Wikipedia claims that there is $4 million in video rental business for this movie. I noticed that, too. What a strange I have way. no idea who, you know, where that came from or why they would choose video rental I mean, to put on Wikipedia. I, whatever. I think this is an independently produced movie, but Columbia released it, so... You'd think there'd be numbers. I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe they weren't publicly traded at the time, and maybe they didn't Probably have to not. release. Uh, yeah. it, it's weird. There's no like box office numbers, and it, it's it's harder the like further back you go like this. This is another movie, so I had to do the highest grossing yeah. films of '74 because you don't have the weekly box office. Is so. this the oldest movie we've done so far, even including Ooh, Arnold? Stallone. I mean, including Arnold. Stay Hungry. I feel like was '76. Yeah, that's this, gotta this, be after this. This, this. Yeah, no, it's the '74. So yeah, this this may be the oldest that we've done. Yeah, Death Race was 75, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we're, we're really going back in time. This, that's not going to be the oldest one we cover, period. There's at least one that's older. All right. Well, so, <clears throat> so the highest grossing films of 1974. Number one, and this is a lot of money. I was surprised. Uh, just under $120 million estimated, again, because you know, right. the numbers aren't as Blazing Saddles was the number one movie in 1974. I didn't know it was that successful. Neither did I. I never, honestly, I wouldn't have guessed that that movie made anywhere near that amount of money. I mean, I know it's kind of like a cult favorite, and there's a lot of people that really like, never would have guessed it was that successful in, in its release. I mean, I knew it was successful, but never. I would have never in a million years guessed number one movie of the year successful. Yep, I guess the movies, the movie business was so different back then. This is pre-Star Wars. It is, but this is also, this is the year that, that created... We had the Renaissance and the natural disaster movies when you know we were in high school in the nineties. <laughs> yeah, this was the year. So the number two uh, movie was the Towering Inferno. Sure, one hundred and sixteen million dollars, which that's a ton of money. Oh yeah, those movies did incredibly well. The natural disaster, general disaster movies. So so the rest of them are coming up. Most of them round out the top ten. Okay, let, let me guess. So Seventy four was Earthquake this year. Earthquake was number five at just under eighty million dollars. <laughs> okay, it was 
that was there an airport 74 airport 1975 oh, oh they, they're like, it's like it's like cars car models are ahead of it <laughs> so okay somehow that just clocked that clocked in at number seven just under the godfather part two there is something serious i know that quality disaster i'm telling you in 20 years people will look back at the superhero movies and be like boy what a weird trend that was the same way that people now look people forget how gigantic these disaster movies were it was a huge phenomenon i'm, I'm sure no one right. cares about any of these movies anymore they don't but to me it's like the godfather 2 honestly is one of the probably five to me 10 easily the 10 greatest movies ever made and to think that earthquake Towering Inferno and Airport 1975 basically either made the same amount or more than that movie. Hey, have you, have you seen any of those movies? I've seen two out of the three of those. Okay, it is unfair. I have not seen any. But Maybe they're as good as Godfather 2. Well, then why don't you tell me? Are they as they're, good as... No, they're not as good. Of course they're not as good as the Godfather 2. I seem to remember... I, I watched all the airport movies a couple years ago, just on a whim. I'm just did, like, I'm just going to watch every airport movie. Did you watch Airplane after it? Uh, I don't think so. You no, should have, but whatever. But, um, well, yeah, I think Airport 75 is the one that Airplane pulled the most from. I think there's a sick child on the plane. I think there's, like, there's like the, the foreigners who don't speak English, which Airplane turned into the guys who speak jive. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, the, so a lot of the stuff. 75 is what they I, stole from? I think, well, that and there was an old movie called Zero Hour, which was a okay. different thing. But, I mean, yeah, if I remember correctly, that was the one I'm going, like, wow, this is kind of just Airplane. <laughs> but I, I think it was also the best of those. They're okay. not good. None of them are good. All right. Powering Inferno is okay. Okay, well, that was number two. Number three was The Trial of Billy Jack. I don't know that movie at all. Do you know it? It's a Western, I think. I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, Number four, Young Frankenstein. I'm shocked. Mel Brooks had two huge movies in the same year. Yeah, I did know those came out the same year. Wow. Uh, So that was number four, as you guessed. Number five was Earthquake. Number six, The Godfather Part Two. Number seven, Airport 1975. All right, so number eight, The Life and Times of Grizzly Adams. Never seen it. Yeah, I mean... It's it's still uh, Grizzly Adams is still a thing that's like a reference. Yeah, it is. I, oh, the only I know it's a reference in Happy Gilmore. That's really what I know it from. Yeah, it, and it survived as a pop culture reference, but yeah, I've never seen it either. Uh, number nine, The Longest Yard, and number ten, Benji. So those were the top ten movies in 1974. Okay, a lot of natural disasters, one great movie, and a couple of Mel Brooks movies is basically what you can take away of what the culture was like in '74. Are you saying those Mel Brooks movies are not great movies? Uh, I gotta admit. I'm not a huge fan of either one. I love Young Frankenstein. I, I mean, don't dislike. I'm not saying they're bad, but I, like to me, I think their reputation is is bigger than what I, than I enjoyed them. I just didn't enjoy yeah, them. Yeah, sure. Uh, all right. So in the TV front, All in the Family is the number one TV show. Uh, Sanford and Son is number two. They, these are all actually bunched up really close. Here's one I don't recognize. See if you recognize Chico and the Man. I've heard of it. Okay, I've never even heard of it. I think it. it's a cop show. Okay. Uh, the Jeffersons, MASH, uh, number six is Rhoda, number seven, Good Times, number eight, The Waltons, number nine, Maud, and number ten, Hawaii Five-0. So other than Chico, I, I've heard and seen, actually, most of those. Yeah, nothing too obscure there. No. Um, all right, so on the history front, I wound up, there was, I don't have a lot in my notes on this movie, and my notes for history were going to be really thin, so I cheated a little bit, and I stole from the months preceding May 
and succeeding May because it was really thin in May of 1974. Yeah, I mean, the farther back we go, it's just like, what was happening in 1974? That's, uh, that's good enough. It's just to get a sense of what culture was like. It's probably time. what I should have done, but I only went the kind of couple of months. I, if I expanded into the whole year, I would have had a lot more, so I don't have a ton here. All right. uh, the S&P 500, and more, most importantly, is just under 90 at 89.67. Double digits. Yes. I wouldn't have thought that that even was possible. Like, and absolutely. Wow. Uh, on April 8th, Hank Aaron became the all-time Major League Baseball home run leader with his 715th in Atlanta. Yeah, like guy ran around the bases with him. Yep. That's the thing I know about that moment. Very famous, and unfortunately that record did not hold up. Oh, right. It probably should. Yes, it did. <laughs> that shit. record still holds up. <laughs> we'll not acknowledge the current. All right. Have they not stricken those records from, from the record book? I don't think so. Okay. I agree with you. They should. Uh, all right, so then in the month of May, May 2nd, former U.S. Uh, VP Spiro Agnew is disbarred as a lawyer. Uh, <laughs> Real aftermath of, of well, some stuff happening. There's more coming. Okay. Because uh, he had his own separate issues. That's the ironic thing is Spiro Agnew had his own separate issues. Yeah. Uh, on May 9th, the House of Representatives Judiciary Committee opens formal hearings in the impeachment process against Richard Nixon. Uh, then skipping ahead into June, as I said, the, May was really thin. On June 4th, the Cleveland Indians stage an ill-advised 10-cent beer night for a game against the Texas Rangers at Cleveland <laughs> Municipal Stadium. <laughs> Cleveland forfeits after alcohol-fueled mayhem and violence spreads from the stands onto the field. Not really surprising, is it? Uh, not really. Uh, I mean, if it had been Philadelphia, it would be le- even less surprising. I think those are the two cities that have the reputation yes. for that sort of thing happening. Uh, Chicago kind of has that also. Yes. very Especially the White Sox. <laughs> demolition, uh, disco demolition. Yeah, there, right? that stuff has happened at uh, White Sox games. Yes, so it I'm has. not going to can't, you know, can't claim innocence. Yeah, exactly. Uh, later in that month, on June 26, the Universal Product Code is scanned for the first time, and a pack of Wrigley's chewing gum is sold at the Marsh Supermarket in Troy, Ohio. Okay. Did people think that that was like satanic or something? Have you ever heard really? those stories? No, I've never heard that one. I oh, should I, look that up. I kind of look. There's something like that. Like some some people thought it was some kind of like satanic Illuminati cult thing of just like we will not use these these UPCs. They're evil. <laughs> Illuminati. I swear there's something. I don't remember the details. I'll have to look that up. Yeah, look it up. Well, there is one that I do know of, and uh, the company is based in Ohio, but Cincinnati, Ohio. Procter and Gamble. There, I remember there was a rumor that. The corporate logo, at least back, you know, in like the 80s and 90s, whatever their logo was, there's some stars or something in it that it was a satanic cult that the, you know, Procter and Gamble, one of like the 50 largest fortune, you know, 50 companies was run by a satanic cult. I'd have to look at the logo. I, I, I didn't know that one, but I just Googled the UPC satanic and it okay. says, why the barcode will always be the mark of the beast. <laughs> Wired.com 2012. Mark of the Beast. Um, yeah, it's, it, I, I was I'm definitely have to read this. One. I was definitely not wrong. I just wanted to confirm. We try not to Google stuff, and that just slows the podcast. I'm gonna have to I just wanted to make out. sure I wasn't crazy. All right. So, in the world of literature, the New York Times uh, bestseller for the month of May is Watership Down by Richard Adams. Okay. Uh, which is at least a book that I've heard of. I have not read Watership Down. I saw the animated movie. I've never seen the. Okay. That's that's a movie that has traumatized many a child, including me. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I don't know enough about it. I don't know when the movie came out. It was probably in the late 70s, early 80s, something like that. Probably got it. I mean, the book is 74 or so. But I think it was one of those things where it's like, oh, it's an animated movie. I guess it's for kids. And then it's like, oh, this is no. like crazy. So crazy stuff is happening. <laughs> um, I don't right. remember much about it. I mean, I saw it as a kid, and I remember being terrified, and that's all I remember. 
All right, and uh, to finish up uh, the Billboard 100, Homer Simpson probably would have recommended this to young kids. The Locomotion by Grand Funk is the number one single uh, in May of 1974. I do not know that song at all. I only know the 50s one. We, uh, weirdly, that's like a weird coincidence considering Lords of Flatbush. But like, <laughs> yes. I don't know if it's a cover or if it's an original. You know, it must be a cover. I have no idea. Come but on, yeah. baby, do the Locomotion. Uh, that's from the, like, the late 50s, early 60s. Yeah. Grand Funk, apparently. You should consult your local library to learn more about Grand Funk. <laughs> I don't remember this reference, but really? I'll take your word for it. No. Oh, it's the Hullabalooza episode. When Homer's playing his music in the car and the kids want absolutely nothing to do with it. I only remember they him. They go ta- from the Jefferson Starship to the Alan Parsons Project, <laughs> Grand Funk Railroad, and then Grand Funk. I think that's the iteration. Okay. I only remember him being excited about uh, taking care of business. <laughs> That's good. That's the only part I remember. All right. Time. Well, all right. Well, that was uh, history in 1974. All right. Let's move on and talk about the big picture. All right. You want to talk? We'll talk. I'm a sucker for good conversation. Yeah. So the big picture. This is the segment where we discuss the plot, and I think you may have to carry this conversation because you uh, you're, you're finding a thread that I don't see. No, I was going to say you should take a crack at it because <laughs> you're, you're the one who uh, dislikes this movie. I well, here's here's I. It is kind of scattershot this movie. I mean, it's it's not a strong plot, but I think the easiest way to summarize the plot is Uh-oh. to just play this trailer from the '70s, which I enjoyed quite a bit. So, which, right. which more or less summarizes the movie. So this is a let's see, let's see how the trailer. This goes. is a TV ad for Lords of Flatbush. Do 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 do, the Lords of Flatbush is a movie. <laughs> do, 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 do. about how life was in the fifties. A black leather jacket, a rumble or two, and a girl cutting school, playing pool. Stealing a car, record hops, Bobby socks, a padded bra. The Lords of Flatbush, oh, it's something to see. Do, 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 do. It's full of memories for you and for me. I don't mean to boast, but you'll dig it the most. The Lords of Flatbush, Flatbush, Flatbush. Rated PG. <laughs> <laughs> that is so, awesome. So I think that summarizes the movie better than I think we ever could. Uh, it probably does. So I, I like that it's just like, the Lords of Flatbush, it's a movie. You, you can almost sense them shrugging, and then at the end it's like, it's something to see is the way they're pitching this. It's something to see. It's like, I don't know. It's something. I it, <laughs> Kill it, two hours and watch this movie, or an hour and a half. From that, it is pretty clear how pandering it is to try and be nostalgic yeah. for the basically the target audience. Yeah, definitely. I don't even find nostalgia for my own generation appealing. So, like, nostalgia for, like, baby boomers, I you know, it's not something that I'm immediately going to gravitate to. There's been enough movies about, like... Oh, the fifties and weren't wasn't it fun? Wasn't it great? It's like you know that alone isn't gonna cut it. So I mean, there are, but were there that many by nineteen seventy four? I don't know. Probably. Oh yeah, I think this is riding a wave. I mean, by this time, I think Happy Days was on. Or no, no, it couldn't. No, not yet. Because this predates right. Because Henry Winkler bases the funds, ironically, not off of his character, but off of Stallone's character. Yeah, I could see that. But I mean, it was that you know. I think in the wake of American Graffiti, there was this wave of fifties nostalgia. So I'm sure there were more, you know, 
I we just don't necessarily I, yeah, don't know them. But I mean, Happy Days is, uh, I think, near the end of that wave. But even still, th- you're right that that, c- that commercial is very much leaning into it, and the movie does to an extent. But it also is not all that idealized. Because essentially, it's about four guys who form a, a what is it, a social athletic club? Social athletic, that I did enjoy. <laughs> um, but we basically just each take turns. No, nobody's got a position. <laughs> no, we, we all take we turns. We just got to take turns. These four guys are just kind of bummer out. I mean, they're in high school, which is weird. I, I think it was a mistake to make these guys high school students. They, they could have been like guys who are like a year or two out of high school and just bumming around and right. have, Don't not have really jobs doing and... anything. Yeah, and are just kind of hanging around in pool halls and threatening guys in suits and whatever. <laughs> guys in suits that apparently used to be in gangs. Yeah, using the J's and Avenue J. What is our uh, Stallone's like? I spit on Avenue J. Whatever he says. <laughs> yeah, uh, and they threaten to beat him up and they run him out. There's a lot of scenes like that where right, Whippy and that guy are playing pool. That goes nowhere. But it's to establish their characters because then Stallone comes in as Stanley and he's just like, all right, let's, now you and me will play it. Five bucks, a, five bucks a turn or whatever. And then Stallone misses a shot and the guy's like, oh, it's, not, it's my turn. No, no, the way I play, it's still my turn or whatever he says. And he's like, I don't like the way we're playing. And like, they, they basically just like essentially rob him, right? Because like he, I don't think he puts the money down. I thought, so. I thought they kept his money. But oh, maybe really? Not. Okay. It's not clear. Yeah, and there's that, and then, like, Chico is trying to get with the new girl in school, uh, played by Susan Blakely. I forget her character's name. I've got it all here somewhere. Jane. Jane yeah. Bradshaw. See Jane run. That's <laughs> right. Run, run, Jane, Jane run. run. I, you know, I've these characters were, like, charming and horrible in equal measure. Like, I, I thought all of the actors, with the possible exception of Wimpy, I thought all, you know, the other three of them... Were A, giving really good performances, B, were likable despite themselves, Chico less so. And it's just kind of these guys, Chico is the kind of the de facto leader, him and Stanley have kind of like a back and forth. Like, I, I liked the dynamic of the group. It felt real. It felt like, you know, Chico is the ostensible leader, but Stanley is kind of like... Challenging. Yeah, and there's kind of a power struggle between the two of them. There's a part where they're like, let's trade blows. And they just start punching each other in the malt shop just to like... Yeah, and we're going to see who can take the punches, and then it turns into a real fight. You know, and then the other two guys, like Wimpy is kind of like the, sh- the the shorter guy, and he has a little bit of a Napoleon complex, and he's trying to be tough to show up. He's tougher tough. than he is, yeah. Even though, and, the, and then Henry Winkler's character, uh, Butchie, is just like, he, he is so not interested in, like, these power struggles. He's just like, this is stupid. Like, he's just sitting there going, like, you know, making fun of everything and yes. being uh, making everything into a joke. Um, yeah, and it's just kind of like, a couple of months in the life of these this gang, I guess. Yeah, I mean... I, gang in quotes, because they don't even really do anything all that criminal. They steal a car. They steal a car, and they do start a fight, which is the most ill-advised fight. <laughs> the whole football team. I mean, what are you doing? <laughs> but, I mean, I think that's intentional. I think that's the show. These guys are kind of stupid. Like, <laughs> that fight is kind of what drives all of them away, right? Because uh, uh, Butchie gets hurt. He, hurts, he breaks yeah, his he, arm. Uh, no, it's his, it's his leg. Legs. You're right. Because right, yeah. he's hopping around at the end. Yeah. Uh, which, uh, <laughs> I'm still not sure if he really needed those crutches, but we'll just put that aside. I mean, it didn't seem that bad. Yeah, so Butchie gets, he breaks his leg and you get the sense that, like, afterwards he's probably kind of done with this stuff. And then Stanley kind of feels bad about the whole thing, and right, he's he had kind a of whole assessing, scene yeah. where he's talking about, like, Nobody else in the gang has any imagination, and he's got imagination. And then Chico clearly is not going to change. Right. And he says as much. Like He, he likes his life the way it is. He's never going to change. And then, and then Stanley, his girlfriend, uh, either Annie or Franny, I forget which is which. Because <laughs> Annie and Franny are kind of the two girls who hang out with this gang. And yeah. uh, 
I think Annie is the one who's got the thing for Chico. Well, more than a thing. I mean, he sleeps with her. Yes, and Franny is the one that ultimately gets engaged to Stanley. Yes. Yep. He, she thinks she's pregnant. Which, I don't know, I mean, it only just now occurred to me, otherwise I would, I would have put this in the technology section. I'm just like, when do reliable pregnancy tests begin? Oh, man. No, okay, good. I'm, gl- I'm glad you have that. Because I don't I didn't know when, like, but that certainly okay. was on my list. Okay, well, that's, that's, we'll talk about that later, because it didn't, didn't occur to me until just now. But like, it's an interesting how it's a part of the plot where she thinks she's pregnant, and he's just like, I guess I'll marry you. And then it turns out she's not pregnant, and he decides to marry her anyway. And that's kind of supposed to show that he's kind of grown, like... At first, he was just marrying her out of obligation because he thought he'd knocked her up. But then it's like, no, I actually want to. Um, but I don't know. Like, how do you? What else happens? Like, there are things that happen. There's, there's not much. I mean, it's mostly that's. I think it's really exploring dating a little bit about relationships, both dating wise, but then also relationships amongst the group. But that, that's it, man. I mean, what else is there really to it? Yeah, I mean, there's there is a lot. Chico and uh, and and Jane. There's a lot of. There's a lot of them, time, yes, spent on their dating. A lot. Yeah. And in the end, she kind of rejects him because she's just like, she doesn't want to be another conquest of his. Yeah. Like, that's how she feels. And like, but it, it seems like it's not clear if he actually thinks of her as more than that or if it's just he's just trying to get in her pants. Like, no, and that's the, that's where I don't see as much. And maybe he's not supposed to develop because he doesn't want to change. Right. But it's, it's, it's ambiguous. You, you can't really tell. Yeah. And I think, too, part of the problem for me is I was pretty jaded when, you know, Jane starts dating whoever that guy is from Lincoln that ultimately they get into that fight on that football team. I know there, there is a name, but I forget what it is. Uh, and yeah, the, I didn't pick up a name. Well, the reason I'm jaded is because what that kind of sequence took me back to is very much Goodfellas. And so I just immediately think that that guy is just as much of a creep uh, as Paul or whoever it is in Goodfellas that ultimately is uh, dating... Ray Liotta's, uh, Henry Hill's, God, I can't remember her name now, um, whatever. So I immediately like thought, oh, it's, it's, it's one of the rich kids driving a convertible on the football team. He's probably just as much of a creep. And there's nothing in this movie that says he is, but that's the conclusion oh. I jumped to. Oh, yeah. I mean, this movie is from the point of view of the Lords, and so... You know, we're supposed to hate him because he's obviously a rich kid. He's got a car. Right. That's why they steal the cars because it's like, oh, <laughs> Chico's going to lose uh, this girl to this guy who's got a car. We so got to steal, go steal a car for Chico. I don't think it's really about that guy at all. Like the guy in the football, the, the rich kid. It's, it's probably like, not. You're it right. has nothing to do with him. It's just the lords are looking for a fight and they're looking for any excuse. Maybe I should save this for questions, but let, let's try it here. So you think that there's a threat kind of. What what is the or maybe you've gone over it, but what's the thread? I mean, Chico, I think it's clear the thread for him is I don't think there's any growth there, right? Right. I mean, he yeah. just is what he is and maybe forever will be. Absolutely. All right. So maybe Wimpy doesn't really matter because he doesn't know to get on you know, screen time. So I guess what's Stanley's thread? Is that he's just he grows up and he he's gonna Yeah, I think between his decision to go through with the wedding and also his decision you know, or the scene in the chicken coop where they kind of talk about imagination. I mean, that scene has problems for other reasons, but I do think it did a good job showing. I mean, also, I think Stallone's performance, I think he does a good job portraying in his performance that this guy who was previously just sort of a bruiser who was only interested in getting in fights and kind of being menacing in a jokey way sometimes. I mean, it's also, a, you know, CJ and run. Like, he's, yeah, he's there's still some of that Stallone humor creeping yeah. through. And I know Stallone... You know, ad-libbed a lot and wrote a lot of his own dialogue. But that scene in the chicken coop where 
He's acting very different. Chicken or different. pigeon? Or, pigeon, you're right. Oh, yeah, sorry. sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, whatever. Birds. <laughs> I don't know. Foul. <laughs> yeah, I liked, I liked the way his performance was different. He was very clearly portraying Stanley in a different way. and like yeah. He's very sweet in that scene in a way that you never see before. And I think it's to show. And, and he's, he's, he's speaking to Chico completely differently. It's not, they're not talking as like two guys in the gang. Like, oh, what are we going to do? We're going to, you know. That the power struggle that existed every time they interact, there was this unspoken competition between the two of them. And in that last scene, it's gone. And it's just like, you do what you're going to do. I am imagining a better world for myself. I think that's the purpose of that okay. scene. Whether, that. whether or not the actual dialogue, you know, I think that scene could have been written better. And, you know, I don't even want to touch the whole, like, what do you see down there? You know, that's, <laughs> I mean, it was made in the 70s and it's about the 50s. It's totally plausible that that character would say that. Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's pretty racist, like yeah. where, where that scene goes, but that notwithstanding, I think the, the scene is to show like, I've, I'm thinking about things beyond just Flatbush. You know what I mean? Like right. this little neighborhood is our entire world. And now Stanley's saying there's more, there's more to the e- world. Yeah. Even if I never actually leave the neighborhood up in my mind, I'm imagining other things than just running around the streets of Flatbush, terrorizing people or, you know, <laughs> or whatever, not even terrorizing, but just kind of hanging around whatever. Yeah. Just doing nothing. So yeah, I think that's to show that's and, and the the movie culminates with Stanley and Franny getting married and it's there's the wedding and everyone's happy. I do think it would have driven home more if Chico hadn't been there. If like yeah. there was a scene where Chico is like standing outside the the because it's just in their backyard or whatever, but like he's standing outside the yard and being like, nah, I'm not going or whatever. Yeah, he's not part of it anymore. Yeah, exactly. I, I thought that did a pretty good job of showing that Stanley is in a different place now. And he seems happy in a way that, like, that character was not happy up until no, the like, end of the movie. You, you've convinced me. There, there's, there's a thread for those two. I'm not sure you get it as much on, on Wimpy and Butchie, but I think you've convinced me on Chico and yeah. Stanley. Ba- Butchie less so, but I, th- I think Butchie is just that one scene where with Butchie talking to the malt shop yeah. guy, and he's just like, you're, you're too smart to be just doing this and doing nothing with your life. Well, and also he, he, I, I really like Henry Winkler in this movie. You're right. He doesn't have enough time, uh, screen time, but I love his response. He's like, oh, you're right. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm going to do something with my life, and it's all thanks to you, and it's the most sarcastic <laughs> thing. Is. But I also think that's actually true. Like, I think eventually that's going to end up being his, his sarcastic, point. what he's saying yeah. sarcastically, it will, it will become genuine. Yeah, probably. I think is what is hinted at. All right. So I mean that's the plot for what it is. I'm sure there's stuff we forgot. Like scene, there's the <laughs> I mean there's scenes but not in not in terms of actual. I think that really is the plot. Yeah. There's a whole scene at the beginning in school where they're terrorizing the teacher. It's like <laughs> a, there's a lot of stuff like that where it's just like, "Oh, it's just a little like, you know, scene of 50s high school life." Yeah, see like that that sequence the opening credits and the sequence in school felt like a totally different movie. It did not feel like the rest of the movie. Yeah. I was really not enjoying the opening 10 minutes or so of the movie because it's just like, yeah, it just seemed like, who are these characters and why do I care? Uh, I mean, the, eventually I, the only, I did grow to care, but... The only thing I did enjoy, I did enjoy Stallone. Oh, everywhere I sit, I don't know, there's a draft. Because <laughs> yeah. the teacher tries splitting them up, and Stallone's character is just having nothing to do. He's just slowly but surely making his way back yeah, to his he, original he, seat. He keeps forcing people to switch seats with him. <laughs> I mean, it was there's a lot of funny stuff. Stallone is funny in this movie. I mean, I think he's both menacing and really yeah. funny. Even. <laughs> yeah, anyway, should we All move right. on? Yeah, time for technology. All right. Up in the cloud. What cloud? What cloud? 
All right, so this is the segment where we uh, attempt to discuss how technology may have either changed plot lines or uh, impacted the story in in some way. Um, So we'll we'll start right in with the ones that one of the ones that I had, and it had to do with uh, pregnancy tests and sex education. Because as you said, Franny thinks that she's pregnant. (laughs) Oh God, I know we're going to go with the sex education. I forgot about that. (laughs) So go ahead. I didn't look it up, but if maybe there's a listener out there. That knows probably not. I would love to know what the rubber band method is. So at Arms Race Podcast, because apparently Franny and Stanley somehow thought that a that a rubber band was going to be an effective prophylactic. Uh, yeah, I think I have somewhere in your notes. You have the rubber band technique. Oh, I added my question. I knew I had something, but I, I'll just say it now because I was wondering, like. Does Stanley actually think that that would work, or was he just feeding her a line just to try, try and convince her to sleep with him? All right, so I, I, I suspect, I'm leaning on he's feeding a line. Yeah, I suspect. I mean, obviously, she should have better sex education. A rubber band. <laughs> the rubber band didn't work. That that so uh, and alluding to that then how technology is. I didn't look up to know where you know pregnancy tests accuracy etc. Um, so what I don't know is if they existed. I probably should have looked it up to see if they existed. And if she was actually trying to pull a fast one on Stanley, I'm not sure. But oh, if, because to get him right. to marry her? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't know. Because I don't know when, one, they were invented, and then two, what the accuracy was. Because they you know, could have not been very accurate even if they did exist. That was probably some mutual lying to one another. They're Mutually per- they're destruction. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they're perfect, perfect for each other. other. They, they, they lie to each other to get, get the other one to marry them. But to do what they want, basically. Or, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Stanley didn't want to get married. But yeah. to, uh, so I'll, I'll let you go next. Well, I... I I wasn't sure how to deal with the technology segment. I feel like I'm not doing this like frequently now. I, I apologize, but that's uh, all right. uh, you know, it's set in the fifties and it's like, obviously that's like inherent to the movie. The premise of the movie is that it's set in the 19 in 1958. So like a modern remake, you wouldn't, I mean, I guess you could make a movie about like street toughs in present day or whatever, but it seems like this movie is, it's just inherent to the, the idea of Lords of Flatbush that it's set in the 50s like what's the point of making like, or you know setting a story like this in the modern day like it almost wouldn't even no i don't i don't think that there i do you do you think i mean i know that there certainly are there aren't social athletic clubs like this i think that there are obviously gangs still exist but i just don't i don't know i think this is of its time i don't think there's a modern setting that you could do this there's no such thing as like a gang that only exists to like back each other up in a fight and like yeah. with no other goal. Like, yeah, obviously like na- modern street gangs are like business. It's all yeah. like, you know, drugs and stuff. So yeah, I mean, I don't even know how much that was true in the fifties. Like it's, I, I, I'm sure it was true to a degree, at least in all the fiction that, you know, I, all we have is like the, the depictions in movies and TV. All we have is grease and happy days to yeah. tell us what the fifties were like. I don't know. I mean, I guess, People who were actually young at the time could could say whether or not it was true. But what I what I wanted to do for the technology segment, and I ended up not. It was a puzzle that I couldn't solve. I wanted to say, okay, if I was remaking the movie today, set in 1958, who would I cast? Oh, that's kind of what I was thinking about doing. But then I couldn't figure out an actor under 30 who could play Stanley. Like I couldn't find. I, I was scrolling through IMDb, like lists of like actors under thirty and who. I mean, Stallone was twenty six when he made this. It's like he's he's not plausible as a high school kid even then. But no. it's like whatever thirty. I'll I'll set the cut off thirty. I couldn't find a single actor who was like plausible as like a 
a really like well, a bruiser, like a really yeah. tough, like a scary. Tough. Th- yeah, I couldn't think of a single actor. Wow, I was kind of thinking of uh, uh, Oscar Isaac as Chico, and like I could see that. I could actually see him as uh, Butchie too. Sure, yeah, he'd be a good Butchie. He's a good actor. He could play he basically, could, basically he could pretty much any be part but Stanley. I, yeah. I don't buy him as a bruiser. No, um, I, that's what I wanted to do, and I swear I just thought up and down. Like I was thinking of Tom Holland as Butchie. That that was my, I can that was my that. butchie. Yeah, I can see that. Um, but anyway, I, I I I couldn't solve the problem, so All right. I don't have much for this segment. All right. Well, what I have is that uh, if technology had developed, let's let's just talk about stealing that car because there's sure. there's many implicate. One, it would be far more difficult in a current setting. Well, not if they leave the key in the car. Well. <laughs> Because that's what I, that's that is funny too. I mean, Stallone is funny in this movie because I love that moment he, where he's he really is adamant that he can hotwire. I can hotwire any car, and then they get there. It's like what's what's wrong? It's like I thought I could do it. I saw it in a movie once. <laughs> that was maybe one of my favorite it, moments. It's funny. And this movie has its moments because he th- he thought he could do it. I thought I could do it. That's great. And then the key, I think Butchie's, he's like, the keys are right there. And they just take the All right. The so, so you have me there. But if it wasn't for the keys, let, let's just say that stealing a car would be far, and keeping it stolen, too, that's the other thing, would be far more difficult in a modern day setting. Oh, sure. I mean, most cars have like a tracking thing. Yeah. Right? So, some, some ability, yes. Yeah. And there's, I mean, look, just even with. Not that the police are constantly out looking for that stuff, but no, no one seemed to care at all. Even no. the guy working, there was a guy in the garage like fixing eh. up a car. He looks out, just like whatever. Eh. It'll come back eventually. Those crazy kids. It's just going for a joyride. <laughs> yeah, they do ditch the car eventually. They didn't even need it. They just needed it for one night so that Chica could go on his date. They did, yeah, but it seems like that he kept it for more than one. That's the thing is, it was I think gone for a while. No, I th- I thought someone in the dialogue someone talked about like oh, after we ditched the car, they, they said they, they that they needed to ditch it. But I I think he. Because he has it for the drive-in, yeah, and he has it, I think, on the... Doesn't he have it the date where they're babysitting, basically babysitting Jane's younger sister? I thought he had the car then, too, or is it in his motorcycle? I don't think you see how he got there. He just kind of shows up at the house. Yeah, maybe you're right. And He's at her, the front door. her mom and dad are going to, like, a military gathering. Yeah, the officer, officer's ball or something. While we're talking about that, I gotta ask, what... What is going on? Because there's a line of dialogue where the, the father, Jane's father, is like, we gotta, you know, we may be back later if, if I can pry your mother away from the general. <laughs> I'm not sure. What is he talking about? I what was, does that mean? I was very concerned. <laughs> I guess it's just like an open relationship. What is, <laughs> it's the 1950s. That would be pretty shocking. I don't think it is. I think what he meant was is that because she likes flirting probably and talking with the general. Okay. But I, it's like I can see what picture. What an offhanded line of dialogue, you know. And he doesn't seem like angry about it either. It's just like, oh yeah, this this is what comes yeah. with the territory. You know your mother. You can't pry her away from the general. <laughs> no, I don't know. What do you mean? I don't know. Please expand. <laughs> All, right, All right. So I had one more that it, uh, technology element that would have had a, an impact here. Let's talk about the jewelry store, because if Stanley had access to the internet, he would have known the trap he was walking into, because the Yelp reviews for that jewelry store would have been absolutely <laughs> atrocious. You think so? Like, wh- yes. Wh- why? What because is that, that guy absolutely knew what he was doing, upselling that ring to, to Franny and Annie. Well, sure, but that's his job. Like, I... I, I would it, would you give a, a jewelry store a bad Yelp review if people you like were Stan- talk, you were talked into an expensive thing? People like Stanley would absolutely. 
Well, obviously. It's the hard sell. This place is terrible. It's well, like dealing with a car salesman. That's what the Yelp reviews would be like. Sure, but I mean, he gives a Yelp review in person. He's like, if you, <laughs> if you sell her another ring like this, I'll come in here. I'll kill you myself, whatever he says. Yeah. If you ever show her a ring like this you again. You show Franny, I can't remember what her last name is. It's something like or something. Yeah. Or uh, it's not a, no, it's Italian. Italian. Yeah, it's Italian. Yeah. Uh, it's a long name. Though. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I've, so, got, I've got all this stuff here. Melanconico. There it is. You ever sell Franny Melanconico a ring like that again? It's even show it. Not so just show, <laughs> yeah, just her, show her a ring like that. <laughs> yeah, Franny Melanconico and Annie Yuccamelli. Yuccamelli. Well, yeah, I had to write them down. It's like, I'll never remember those. Uh, Stallone did not re- create those character names. That's for sure. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think so. We've stopped looking for that. We should. Uh, well, I remember. can tell you, I looked for it. That was a looking for. He did not. He did not make up those names. That's no. for sure. Uh, well, I, my view is is that jewelry store. I don't think Stallone. I don't think Stanley would have walked into that jewelry store in present day. He he would have known what he was getting into. I'm sure people are getting upselled on jewelry all the time, right? I mean, it, it's in my view, it's inherently preposterous. Is a piece of stone we pulled out of the ground? It's two grand. Or, you know, what, it was sixteen hundred dollars, which is like fifteen grand in today's money or yeah, something. It, it was like almost a Tiffany's ring, basically. Yeah, I mean, it, what, what is it? Three months' salary is the is the thing they say. I, mean, I think that is I, that still true. It probably I don't know. I've been <laughs> okay. married for 13 years. What do I know? <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't have to worry this. And, yeah, and, it was a long time. And ago it for seems you. like you know the generation in their 30s, the millennials. I I don't even know. They don't even want traditional anything anymore. Sure. So well, and I think that's the right way. I I'm I have that view of just like it's stupid. Why are we paying 15 grand for a hunk of stone to put in your finger? It's like. Well, there's no Franny in 1957 shirt. Oh, certainly she, loved it. She was not taking no for an answer. No, she was. She got pretty menacing actually yeah. in that store. Yeah, you're right. Actually, they were perfect for each other. Oh, definitely. <laughs> I mean, they'll they'll be married for 50 years. The two of them. <laughs> there'll be and some battles along oh, the way. The, the, the plates will be smashed. Like you know, it's like, Frank and Estelle Costanza. Yeah. Duck when you come to that house because so, stuff's gonna go flying around. Serenity the- now, insanity later. Yeah. Um, all right. I, I, that's all I had on the technology front. Okay. Well, sorry I didn't uh, really do anything. For that's this. all right. Let's, let's move on a little details. That cardboard headstone tipped over. The, this graveyard is obviously phony. So the uh, little details, the segment where we try and discuss uh, all the minutiae that we either enjoyed or didn't enjoy uh, in the movie. So uh, since I carried on technology, I'll let you start off on this one. Yeah, some of the stuff we already talked about, the, the apostrophe in the title drove me crazy. <laughs> uh, the music is awful. One scene in particular, just reading my notes, uh, it's a scene where they're trading hits in the the malt shop, yeah. and the, there's there's a song playing underneath, and I swear, I, like for thirty seconds straight, I'm going like, who's talking? I was watching that scene, going like, is somebody talking? I can hear someone speaking, and it was the vocals from the song, and I cannot reiterate enough how bad the music it's in this movie is. Yeah. It's this movie would have been a lot better without all that. Just no music at all. This movie is ten times better. Huh? I really don't. You're think. probably right. It adds nothing. It's supposed to like be evoking the 1950s. It does a terrible job of that. And it, it, I, I guess right. Not everybody is going to be Scorsese. Not everybody is going to be. Oh no! <laughs> right. Whoever these directors are, they are not Martin Scorsese <laughs> when it comes to music usage. Uh, I, well, just my first little detail that I enjoyed is Stallone. For most of the movie, has both a match and a cigarette in his mouth. I, I swear to you, the first one, and what I was just going to follow up to if you were done was exactly that. Yeah. I have the performance of this movie has to be Stallone holding that match and in his mouth while smoking. Yeah. That is impressive. It's very impressive, and and giving a good performance on top of it. Like yes. he's, he's managing to juggle all of these things, and not to be indelicate, but 
half of his mouth does not like function well, and for him to be able to deliver dialogue past both a cigarette and a match, yeah. considering his condition, like well done, Sylvester Stallone. Like that is way more impressive than it, he's very casual with it. He absolutely is. It's an impressive performance. All right, so since uh, that was your first, I got to go to my next, and I'm going to go to Chico. I know we try and run a, a clean podcast, but I just have to because it just made me laugh. The line, Chico, you made a mess. Oh, I know. <laughs> I shouldn't find it as funny as I did, but I found it hilarious. I mean, that's, you know, like, like I was saying earlier, it's not just nostalgia. It's depicting some, like, you yeah. know, it, it's, it's not an idealized past. No, no, not at all. It is not, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, uh, that is, Ozzy and Harriet it, in It's anyway. not this romantic moment. It's, you Chico, made you made a mess. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I mean, not, I don't know what she expected. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> no either. Uh, all right. Uh, okay. I, I enjoyed that all their jackets have like different things on them. Stallone's on the back had AMK stenciled on it. Oh, I didn't notice that. I was trying to notice the difference. It seemed like not all of them on the shoulders had the same stars, but then I think later on I determined that I was wrong on that. that I didn't notice anything on the back of their jackets. I think the backs are all different. Okay. Stallone's has a thing that says AMK, and I couldn't. I was like, is that his initials? Like, no, his name's Stanley. And then. Uh, uh, Henry Winkler has skull and crossbones on the sleeves, and then like a bunch. Of, it's almost like a flirtily like on the back, like some kind of that. Like, I do remember, yeah, some kind of design. Uh, and I think I think Chico just was just nothing. It was just he has. It's like the absence of a personality. He's just like I'm the leader. I'm, I have nothing else that defines me. And just just a plain black jacket. I don't need to. I am the Lord of Flatbush. <laughs> I thought that was a nice detail. I wonder if the actors did that themselves or who did that. How to differentiate? Like, yeah, yeah I, I, I thought they did a good job of differentiating the different characters. I'm a bum that I didn't notice it. And like and uh, Wimpy had like studs in the back. It like looked like a more of like a modern biker jacket. Like how they always have like. The studs, like I guess, to protect them if they fall off their bike. Yeah, he looked the most biker, which totally fit his character because he's trying to, you know, toughen up, build himself up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, so I got another one on Chico. So I love that when Jane, you know, Jane is trying to call Chico out on, you know, what he's really interested in. She asks, "Okay, well, what are the color of my eyes? Purple is what he comes up with." <laughs> Honestly, I mean, people have purple eyes, but not. For, I mean, or indigo. I guess you'd say. I, I, I don't know how many people do, but that is not if I'm if I'm doing very, a wag, a wild ass guess, oh, and yeah. hoping I'm right. Yeah, I think <laughs> going with purple. Your odds are not no not very good. So we're like yellow, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, all right. What else? You? I actually don't have a ton. No, uh, you know this may end up being a, being a short episode. I I do really like the scenes with uh, Chico and his mother. I, Those, I thought that was adorable. I, I they are, and I I like the. Um, it's a short scene, but I like the one the mahjong with with her friends over. <laughs> right. I I really I don't know why I really enjoyed that scene. I actually kind of would have liked some more with uh, more screen time with her mother to learn a little bit more about that relationship. Yeah, I agree. It's really only the two scenes, and it's it's he's very sweet with her, and they they have kind of a nice relationship, which yeah. is surprising. You would expect. You'd expect Biff in uh, in Back to the Future too. I'm going out. I told you, Grandma. Like you expect these. You know, it's the cliche, and and it could be just be you know modern storytelling over analyzing or like psychoanalyzing their characters. Just like, oh, he's tough because he's got he, yeah, he's, rough he's bullied in, at home yeah, or whatever. Um, yeah, he's got a great home life. <laughs> His mother is very sweet. He, he comes and he drinks like milk or something. He's like, drink it out of a glass. This is a glass because yeah, like, it's, it's the glass bottle from yeah, the delivery. Right? Yeah. I, I, 
I thought their relationship what's, was adorable. Yeah, so what's funny is, you know, that actually took me to Goodfellas, too, maybe just because I like the movie. It reminded me of Pesci's relationship with his <laughs> yeah. mother, especially... That, yeah, it's very similar. I, the, the, the thing with the glass. You know, no, I, just, I could completely see Pesci's character saying, no, this is a glass, Ma, what are you talking about? Yeah, you're right. That, that's exactly what that... Maybe that's why I enjoyed it. It, it. Subconsciously, it reminded me of that. If only she'd pull out a painting of a man and two dogs on a boat. Looks like somebody we know. Oh no, it does with the, without, without the beard. beard. That that relationship hundred percent reminded me of yeah, uh, Pesci's character. One dog's going east, the other dog's going west. This guy saying, hey, "What do you want from me? Hey, what do you want from me?" It is one of my favorites. I almost bought that painting. We were, I, we were I'll talking be honest. To, I've thought about doing it. <laughs> we were talking about algorithms uh, earlier, but YouTube algorithms. Amazon got me like, like a year ago. I forget how long ago. I was I was shopping around maybe to like buy a, a replica painting from Goodfellas of the dog, the two dogs, and the guy. And for like a month afterwards, my only recommendations <laughs> with that I, painting. Yeah, I think I took a, po- a screenshot of it. I don't know if I tweeted it or what, but it was it was just like you may like, and there's like ten different versions of that painting. <laughs> That's outstanding. Um, yeah, it took a while for that stuff to filter out. I have not broken down and bought it, but I have considered the same thing because it. I mean, look, it's one of my favorite movies, and it is. Pr- I mean. Just on a standalone basis, it's a great scene. It's one of the greatest scenes. It's so it's so funny for reasons that you can't explain. Yeah, and that's what's so great about it. Is like I can't explain why I love this scene so much. No, and, and the I mean the fact one that it's you know Scorsese's mother who's not necessarily you know an actor, right? But I mean these guys that are so like men like honestly like cold killers yeah. and have like a body in the trunk and it's just like they're just like regular guys yeah. and they're having a meal with his mother it's amazing this is a nice knife man i'm gonna take this knife <laughs> uh you know uh, i can't gotta, leave it there man it's a sin the hoof what do you call it the hoof the hoof, hoof. gotta heck it uh, we, we need to find an excuse to do something about good i can tell you right now you you would not have it would not be hard to convince me that i could talk about good it would be like a five-hour yeah. episode my favorite thing i'm sorry we gotta move on but the, my favorite thing about that scene they're having this meal and then she just goes oh did, did, did my son ever tell you about did my painting let me tell you about my painting and pulls it out of nowhere it was underneath the table <laughs> she, the whole meal that's my favorite detail it was great is you think she was looking for an opening and she decided <laughs> yeah. when i'm she, not getting my opening i'm just gonna ask you all right did tommy, tommy tell you about my painting she didn't have to get up and find it it was under the table. Sorry, yes. that's, that's little details. Let's All right, on. so the last little detail that I have, we kind of covered it a little bit, but and it's almost a question. But, you know, so we talked about how in that, that ill-advised fight, they're running from it, and Butchie gets hit by a car, and, you know, apparently he's going to be on a different life. But those crutches, did he really need crutches? He seems to be completely dancing around in that wedding. He was hopping on one leg. Do you think he was? Yeah. Uh, to me, and everyone was around him, like you know, in case he fell. Like, okay, I think he was fine. To me, it's, it it seemed to me like those crutches were not needed at all. So maybe maybe I'm wrong. No, it, it, I mean, uh, maybe Henry Winkler could have done a better job portraying broken leg, but all you right. know, and I, it didn't bother me too much. No, uh, a detail in that fight that I really love. They, they're getting in this fight with the football team, like. The, whatever the rich kid, like, hey, you, we're gonna get you, and then suddenly it's just this huge brawl with <laughs> half the football. It was like thirty guys, and it's just a scrum. You can't see what's going on. And my favorite part is at the end, Stallone emerges from the pile with two football helmets, one in each hand, just <laughs> swinging, swinging them around. around. Yes. Oh, it's so funny to me. 
It's like he was holding his own in that pile. Whatever happened, who knows what ha- how he ended up with these two he clearly helmets. Did. I was going to say he did as, I think it was Rocky Three considerable damage. Yes. It seems like Stanley did no, considerable a, damage. A variety of a damage variety, is the phrase you're looking for. He did to wind up with two helmets. He had to do a variety of I damage. I just thought that was so funny. Just <laughs> And the way he's swinging those helmets around, like... You don't see them connect because obviously they're actors. They're not trying. Right. They're trying not to hurt each other. But it's just man, it great. The image of that just made me laugh. Uh, what and What else you got? Um, something I realized we I meant to bring up in our intro. We never really talked about is the fact that Richard Gere was originally cast to play Chico. I read that. I didn't know if that was just like rumor, IMDb stuff, or if that actual was like true. Oh, it's absolutely true. He was he was hired and they shot for like a week or whatever oh, and okay. fired him. Like, I guess cause him and Stallone didn't get along. I can completely see that if uh, true <laughs> Stallone. I saw an interview again, not to get too indelicate. We are a clean podcast, but uh, Stallone said that he thinks that Richard gear thinks that Stallone started the hamster rumor. I think it's gerbil. The gerbil. Whatever. Okay, you're right. I don't know from this move. From I don't know the of- difference between a pigeon and a chicken. I don't know the difference between a hamster and a gerbil. But I, from the from this from the Lord of Flatbush. I guess they just hated each other and just lifelong like even to this day have wow. a grudge against each other. And Stallone said in an interview that he he says like I don't know why, where he got this idea, but Richard Gere thinks that I started that rumor. <laughs> He's like I didn't. What's I, funny for of all movies, right? The Lords of Flatbush is the movie that uh, that created the issue, and it, it shows. You know, even in this movie, I think Stallone is really genuinely giving a great performance in this movie. Both him and Henry Winkler. And and Perry King also. I, I will say, I'll, I'll loop back, but Perry King I'm familiar with for a dumb reason. because I, I was going to say, I'm not at all. Uh, I mean, he, he had like a TV career, and he, I think he's still acting. But, um, you know, he was never like a big star. But I was a big Star Wars fan growing up, and to a degree still am. And so as a kid, I would listen to the Star Wars radio drama. I had them on oh, CD. Okay. It's a thing that the USC did in the early 80s. Some of the Star Wars cast, like Mark Hamill's in it, Anthony Daniels is in it, but like Harrison Ford's not going to show up for a radio drama remake of Star Wars. Yeah. So Perry King plays Han Solo in really? the radio adaptation of Star Wars. And so I, his voice is like, it just triggers memories in, my, in Interesting. being like 10 years old listening to the Star yeah. Wars radio drama. I never would have guessed that. Now I'm just trying to think of his voice. And I'm not sure how close it is to Harrison Ford. No, not at all. Yeah, he sounds exactly. nothing like Harrison Ford. Right. In, I remember in the Star Wars radio drama, the, when, in the, the cantina scene where they introduce Harrison Ford, and Perry King's like, I'm Han Solo. I'm the captain of the Millennium Falcon. And it's like, I remember even as a kid, it's like, this is weird. <laughs> Eventually, you do get used to it. But he sounds nothing like Harrison Ford. All right. um, anyway, I was going to loop back. I forget. Stallone's giving a good performance. I forget. Yeah. I forget. I was. I was leading to something. And I got sidetracked. Well, it was Richard. We were talking Richard Gere and him being the original. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say. I Chico. thought. I barely knew anything about this movie, but I thought Richard Gere was in it. So oh, really? That was my sense of. I think I even oh. said last episode. Like, oh, there's going to be a lot of familiar faces, but actually there were fewer than I thought because I. Well, Christina I was Hawk the, was a nice surprise. Oh, sure. That was one. I guess <laughs> Richard <laughs> Gere, Christina <laughs> Hawk, replaced with the Christina. Six of one, half a dozen the other. Yeah. But yeah, I. I, I Always thought Richard Gere was in this movie. I mean, like, I knew barely nothing, uh, hardly well, anything about and it. And so what's funny is when I got the opening title sequence or whatever, I was downloading it on Amazon. I'm like, oh, Henry Winkler. I'm like, oh, this must be the Fonz. <laughs> no, not at all. He's barely in it, and he is not like the Fonz at all. Yeah, it's Fonz-esque. He's in a gang. He's wearing a leather jacket. He is, it's but his, his character is clearly not who he based the Fonz off of. Um, well, I, I've got some Henry Winkler gems that I wrote down. So since all we're right. talking about Henry Winkler, let me, let me read these out to 
just every time he he was on screen, I really really enjoyed like his character because Chico and Jane go on the date, and then Chico comes back to the malt shop, and they're like, "Oh, just tell tell her about us that we share and share alike." I think that Stallone says that. It's yeah. like, what a creep! But then yeah. then uh, Henry Winkle's like, "What? You didn't tell her about us, Chico? Not even me." <laughs> He's really funny in this movie. Henry Winkler is. I mean, he's funny. Clearly, based on he is a great comedic actor. He really is. In in Barry, he's hilarious. So uh, he was great in Arrested Development. He is a great comedic actor. He's funny in Happy Days. As cliched, and it's like the the Fonz is such a part of culture that you forget that it's like yeah, that was a funny character. That's why people liked him because he was funny. Okay, what else did Henry Winkler say? Oh, (laughs) when when so Wimpy's like. Did you get your hands on those lemons? And Henry was like, lemons? Grapes. Grapes? Bits. Bits! Like, they, they finally agree that bits is, like, an appropriate way to describe Appropriate, it. inappropriate, but sure. yes. But I just like, lemons. Like, he's like, the idea that they have to, like, go through all these, like, euphemisms. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, that, whatever. That's enough. All right. That's, a, that's all I've got for the little details. Okay. I guess I, one last thing that I have... It took me a while to realize that the SAC on their jacket stood for Social Athletic Club. Oh, says, I never put that together. It says the Lords of Flatbush, and at the bottom it says SAC. And for like most of the movie, I'm going, like, what does SAC mean? And then finally, I finally put two and two together. Oh, Social Athletic Club. That's funny, because I think I, I saw it, and you know what I actually saw? I think I saw SAG. <laughs> I thought he was talking about the Screen Actors Guild. <laughs> I don't think I ever put that together that it says SAC. I think I, in my mind, honestly, I was thinking Screen Actors Guild. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, Not that that should be on their character. I, you know, I know that shouldn't, I, my mind shouldn't have went it's there. Like but to make what, sure they're getting the proper credit <laughs> exactly. for the Screen Actors, yeah. you know, by Screen Actors Guild's rules. Yeah. Uh, I, bet, right. I bet none of these guys were in the Screen Actors Guild oh, at the no, time. This is, not. I'll bet this is a non-union production. At 160 movie. grand? It has to be. Yeah. Uh, but I... I I wrote down, I, I looked up the acronym SAC on uh, dictionary.com because it'll be like, what does this acronym stand for? And they can give you some list of possibles. 273 possible definitions of SAC. <laughs> I'm going to go with Social Athletic Club. Yes. Well, that's not even on their list, so I don't even <laughs> think that's a real thing, according to dictionary.com. I, 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 I grabbed some, like... It's not, because they don't even have positions. We've already talked about it. They just true. take turns. <laughs> Anyway, I've got like some some possible suggestions for diction, from dictionary.com what SAC stands for, All but eventually right. I did figure out what it stood for. So I don't know if it's worth going what, through some. What, of these. what are some of the good ones? I mean, Strategic Air Command, which is you <laughs> that know, actually would be great. I know that from War Games. Get sack on the horn. May, hey, maybe Jane's dad. Maybe he actually works for sure. <laughs> yeah, I know that's in like Colorado or something. I don't know if we know what town. Oh, it's yeah, it's, it's in not Flatbush, of course. Yeah. The, it's in the title of the movie. What city does this take place in? I'm an idiot. <laughs> I'm, let's just move on. Um, well, the next the next, SAC stupid autocorrect. <laughs> I wonder if, if people actually use that. Uh, Songwriters Association of Canada. No, it's not that. Uh, Senate Appropriations Committee. Okay, I know that one. Uh, same as cash. SN slash AG slash CU, which is a tin co- tin silver copper alloy. <laughs> it's shortened to SAC. Steep and cheap. Uh, surface air consumption for scuba diving. Uh, Sacagawea dollar coin is abbreviated to SAC, apparently. I can see that. Uh, Sign Association of Canada. Soup and crackers. What? Super awesome cool. <laughs> Scoot a cheek, which I guess is a phrase to make space for someone to sit. 
Scoot a cheek. Never heard that one. That's a bizarre phrase to begin with. And then who's shortening that to SAC? Hey, SAC. Get out of my way. Scoot a cheek. Uh, And then it's the airport code for the Sacramento, California Executive Airport. Uh, That one I know because I just had to book a flight there. Oh, there you go. All right. Eventually, I did figure out what SAC actually stood for. Well, you were better than me because I didn't even have the letters right in my mind. So you got me beat. All right. Move on to questions. Yep. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. All right. So this is the segment where we come up with rhetorical questions, but we wind up doing our best to answer them from things that we noticed in the movie. I'll uh, I'll lead this one off. Please do. All right. Uh, So here's what I want to know. In the 1950s, when you outgrow a street gang or a social athletic club, do you also do, do you? Only outgrow it to the point where you just get a new nickname. Because what we learn from Avenue J is you go from being moose to people now. He's in a suit and tie. Looks like he's doing pretty well from himself. Sure. He's now called Mambo. What? Yeah. Okay, Moose Mambo. I I could not figure that one out. You'd think you'd grow up and it'd be like, oh, no, my name's Mike or, you know, Matt or whatever his name was that Moose was. I, I think the idea here... Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm reading too much into this, but my sense of it is like, yeah, he's in that suit. He seems like a guy who's like in the business world and he's come to shoot pool to like unwind after a hard day of whatever trading stocks. Who knows what his actual job is? You don't learn much about Moose Mambo. No, you don't. But, you know, I can imagine, okay, when he was in the Jays in the street gang, he was Moose because, he's, you know, it was all about fighting. But now he's he's in a different sort of a gang. He's in like a financial gang. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, uh, what was that movie? Uh, 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 like about those guys like who who worshipped Wall Street and they're like sell, selling all this junk. Oh, like, boiler room, boiler room. Oh yes. man, there's one person who probably still listens to this podcast will be unhappy with you that you couldn't come up with boiler. Whatever. Room. I haven't seen boiler room in at least ten years. Okay, um, you know, but I think it's like that. Like they're in uh, one of those. You know, he's probably like okay. He's he work. It's like I can see that only slightly more scrupulous type of a. I can thing. see that. Yeah, it's uh, he's sort of in like a shady finance world. Yeah, it's, it's still a gang esque sort of a, yeah. a group. So now he's Mambo because, you know. Yeah, maybe he's slick and he's got good moves. Yeah, he's, he's got to dance around all, okay. of, all of the I, legal loopholes. I like it. I, I like your answer. That's <laughs> okay, a great good. answer. I try. I buy it. That's all what right. the segment, segment is. I'm playing devil's advocate. Right. I'm trying over here. I'm, I'm doing all the heavy lifting. I'll do my I, best. I see him as Vin Diesel. I can definitely see him in, working in a boiler room. I forgot he was in that movie. He's actually it's really been good. so long since I've seen really, it. That's actually a pretty good movie. And I should Vin, rewatch it. Vin Diesel, that's a good performance by Vin Diesel. I still have the DVD somewhere. I'm selling a bunch of DVDs. I bet it's in my cell pile. I, yeah. should, I should dig it out and not, I, well, not sell it. I, and there's still things that I joke about, you know, because like, I'm, I'm in the financial world. And I'll joke every once in a while, you know, to I call some of the guys that I used to work with, kind of ask them, hey, you know, how's business for them? And I'll joke with them. Are there, uh, you know, whatever bank they're at, I'll, like, are there $2 rips over there? Because that, that's, the, that's the thing in there is that for every, for every dollar or every share that we sell, we get $2 real money, $2 rips. Is, okay. And the only way they can be paid is because they're selling totally worthless garbage. Yeah. That's the reason why. Right. So I still will steal every once in a while from, from that. And actually, Scott Kahn is in that. I really like Scott Kahn in that oh, movie. Yeah. So. Well, it, it, like, I... Don't remember a thing about that movie, just okay. other than Ben Affleck's scene. Like, yeah, which is the he just wanted or he wanted he, to do the Alec Baldwin he thing. Desperately wanted to be <laughs> yeah. Glengarry Glen Ross. Exactly. That that is a weakness in it. When you reference the movie 
itself within a movie, that that is poor and lazy. It yeah. really is. Yeah. I, you ever I, see the movie Glengarry? Get out of here. Do not right. ever do that. You're you're ripping off the scene in the scene that you're referencing. Like you you can't you can't do that. No. Anyway, uh, sorry. So I don't remember anything about the movie, but I, I, I like I like that Moose has graduated, so he's in a new yeah, gang, he, basically, so he gets a new nickname. He's a like different it. type of thug now. All right. All right. What do you got? Uh okay. So talking about the the scene in high school where they're all uh, tormenting the teacher. She's taking attendance. They all kind of roll in a couple minutes late, but they're not technically late because they get in a- as she's reading their names, you know, and they're like, oh, yo, I'm here. Hey. Do you think they deliberately time it to get <laughs> show up standing. a few minutes late because they know they're all the second half of the alphabet? I think so, and I think to the point they're actually they because they like to make an entrance. I think they're actually just standing right outside the door, <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. and they're listening to hear like as she's moving down the alphabet. That's what I think. Don't yes. walk in until she said it'll be cool. We'll be <laughs> exactly, cool guys. Yes, that's what I think. And they're in the order that they're read, so they have to get an alphabetical order. They're lined ahead up. of me exactly. <laughs> okay, that's even better. All right. So this one is about Stanley. So we get from Franny. Uh, I think it's at the pool hall where she's first telling him that she thinks she's pregnant and they need to get married. Mm-hmm. She threatened. That's they are made for each other because she threatens to tell all of the rest oh, of his friends yes. that he comes over to her house to cry. So what I want to know is, what do you think <laughs> that Stanley is crying about? You phrased that very diplomatically <laughs> to, to, to keep our clean rating. He comes over to cry. Uh so, sorry, what was your question? Sorry. I was, so, I was impressed I'm, by the way you, you danced around so that. I Why you mamboed around the issue. So with my mamboing, I want to know, what is Stanley, what is he crying about when he goes over there? Oh, I think that's... You think it's a euphemism? I don't think there's any there's any question about it. Oh, I, I, maybe you weren't tap dancing around him. Maybe no, I wasn't. I, I think that she's being serious and that... Oh, 100%. My memory of the way she phrases it is that, you want me to tell everybody that you cry when you come? Oh, I think that's what's happening. Okay. I don't know if... Uh, I guess I can leave that on the podcast. I don't know how to... I, so I'm, what not, I, I'm not cursing. What but, I know. took it as... I took it as is that Stanley has like a sensitive side and that she's the she's like the only one that he'll share that side with. And so like when he lets out his emotions, that's what I took it as. So no, maybe I... Miss, no, okay, then I, I don't think that's what's happening there. I think this right. is purely... <laughs> then I'm, we're moving on to the next I one. mean, maybe that rubber band is too tight. <laughs> <laughs> that could explain it. You just explained that it's the rubber I'd, band. I'd cry, too. I think everybody would. <laughs> All right, it's the rubber band. We're yeah, moving on that, to the there's next your, There's your answer. <laughs> you got it. Uh, I had, well, I had, we already talked about the rubber band anyway, so. Uh, okay. So so there's a scene near the beginning where Chico and Annie, you know, they have sex on the beach, and, you know, she he, makes, he, a he makes a mess. And then I, it's implied, I think, that it's the next day that Chico goes on a date I think so. With, That's what I took it as. Jane. It seems like the very... Because he goes home from sleeping with Annie and calls Jane. That's... Yeah. <laughs> like late at night. Chico is is not a nice guy. No, he's definitely not. I mean, he's charming in some ways, but I think I think in the end, the movie is... You know, St- Stanley is more... By the end, the more likable guy. Oh, absolutely. He's 100%. actually kind of an upstanding guy, even though he's this bruiser and like... 100%. He actually has like a moral code yeah. in a way that Chico does not. But my question is, okay, they go on a date, and I think they, they go to, like, Coney Island and whatever. I, yeah. f- I forget. It's it's just, like, a montage of them Coney do, Island, doing stuff. Coney Island, on the beach. Yeah, yeah, and terrible music playing over. You and me belong to be. Whatever. <laughs> God, awful. Music is so bad. Anyway, my question is, do you think he brought her to the exact same beach, the exact same <laughs> spot? 
One less than 24 hours. 100 percent. I think so too. Chico is just uh, yes. Chi- that is the type of type of guy Chico is. 100 percent. That's his like makeouts, but yes. this is where he makes his move. Yeah. This, this is my beach. He's, he's got his you know ritual, or you know he's got his game, and to be on his game, he needs to be in the same spot. So yes, I think 100 percent is the same beach. Okay. Yeah, I think so too. All right, so I, I got a question about that jewelry store that I thought would have bad reviews on Yelp. Okay. Right? I know it was a different time, and maybe if I had asked my mom, you know, who kind of grew up in, you know, relatively that time, she, you know, she may be able to tell me, but this did not make sense to me. I want to know, does a lot of jewelry get purchased in the 1950s at 8 p.m. at night, or does, cause, or does staying at open till 9 p.m. Every night, it seems very excessive to me. Are they there that late, or is it just a sign in the, in the window? No, he says, you know, you can come back. I'm open from whatever it is, 10 in the morning. I don't remember the time that they were open, but he says, I'm open until 9 p.m. every night. I'm like, are you kidding me? Well, you know, people are working. You know, if, if, if you've got a busy schedule and you're working until 6 p.m. and you want to buy an engagement ring, the place has to be open. You never know when people 9 are 9 p.m.? I guess. I thought it was excessive. I'll I'll just I'll give it to you. I don't see why not. I mean, it's a jewelry store. It's like any other store. You want you want to be open to you know in case a customer comes in. I, I guess that it, it seemed for like the 1950s that did not seem plausible to me. Okay, why? Because they're going to get robbed. Like what? No, what is the issue? I I don't think I don't. The, the like twenty four hour society and think everything being open and available all the time. That is not something that is. Yeah, but I bet he owns that store. He doesn't have any life outside of his his jewelry store. Like, what's he? No, gonna... I think his dad owns the jewelry store. He oh, just that's helps right. out. Oh yeah, what is it? It's like, is it? Are you the Mr. Yeah. Smith of the Smith Brothers? He goes, no, I'm his son. It's like, oh wait, isn't your name also <laughs> I Smith? Was gonna say unless whatever you're a the stepson name. or whatever. But yeah, yeah, I, I guess I don't, I don't remember the actual. name. All right, I, I, to me, I it didn't make sense to me, but you you seem to be okay with it. So we'll, we'll move on to the next one. It doesn't seem strange. I mean, I guess yeah, maybe I'm underestimating how. I'm overestimating how long shops yeah. would have been open because I'm yeah I'm used to the yeah used to it culture. Is what I think it is but that's maybe all right, all right well in, on that same vein and we kind of touched on this a little bit because I think maybe you're right that uh, Stanley is really getting screwed here because I did the calculation sixteen hundred dollar <laughs> ring uh, in twenty nineteen dollars it's fourteen thousand and seventy three dollars and forty seven cents and that guy said that was a deal by the way because it, it was marked, marked down, down from twenty two hundred yeah yeah I mean that yeah that is suspicious right there like yeah it's marked down really. But like I said, I, I, I was saying, okay, three months salary. So I, whatever, I don't, I don't know if we get much sense of what Stanley's going to actually do for a living. Like none of them have any discernible skills that we can tell. Uh, well, now back then you could get a high school diploma and go work on a factory floor. So I mean, right? I mean, yeah, Stanley's big and strong. And I think that alone would probably he could go work on the docks. Yeah, he could. It's New York. Like yeah. I'm sure you could find something. Um, but I was just like, okay, assuming that that's the. The that was the shorthand at the time. You you, you want to spend three months' salary on on the the wedding ring. Fourteen thousand in modern day would be fifty six thousand a year, like currently. Yeah. So whatever job he's gonna get on the docks, you think he's gonna that's gonna be equivalent of fifty six k a year in New York? Yeah, I think so. Really? Yeah, I think I, I think it would be. I don't know how much like a longshoreman makes. So I, I, I'm a, I mean, it, it's a union job now, and so it has a little bit better job. If you can, you know, if you can get the job, a little bit better job protection. I think you know better than call it whatever the minimum wage is in New York, which probably now is like fourteen or fifteen bucks an hour. I guess yeah, back then they're getting paid relatively well. It's not yeah. like minimum wage job. No, no. Yeah, okay. So I, I think it's plausible. Now whether or not he could get that job, I don't know. I have no idea. Okay. 
I just wasn't sure if that math worked out. Like, you know, I'm sure obviously Stanley's not doing the math anyway. He's just like, oh, no, Franny wants this ring. I, I, guess I, I, I do understand the question, but I think it is plausible. Okay. Now, I think he was getting ripped off. Yeah, I'm just, I was just trying to get a sense of, like, is this a reasonable amount to pay for a, a wedding ring, like, given what he would be expecting to earn? Yeah, yeah. his earning potential. I, but I, I, think I, probably, I guess it's not so bad. It probably was on the high side, but I, I think it's at least close to being plausible. Sure. Okay. All right, so I want to talk about Butchie's house. So at some point in the movie, Chico goes over to Butchie's house. They get a scene together. Yeah. I want to talk about the layout of this house because Chico's down, and he's, like, throwing rocks like it's Romeo and Juliet. So he's right. throwing rocks up at the window. Yeah. And Butchie, you know, says, hey, hey, my mom's sleeping. Come to the side door. So we go downstairs. Butchie lets him in. And then they walk right next door into his bedroom. How is that possible? They don't go up any stairs? No, no. they literally walk right into the bedroom. I didn't even pay attention to that. Okay, well, uh, then you're not going to be able to answer it. There is no answer. I, I, mean, I, I think it's just the budget of the movie. They weren't paying attention. This is like, you know, how, you know how Roman concrete was a technology that was lost for like a thousand years? Like, wow, the Romans made this incredible concrete, and we don't know how they did it. I think the 50s apparently had some sort of like <laughs> teleporter technology okay. that was lost in the ensuing years. All right, we're going with <laughs> teleporter technology. I'm trying my best. All right. What else you got? I, 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 I've tried to pride myself on having some kind of devil's advocate answer for every question. If, but, you, you, know, if you had noticed it, though, you'd know that, yeah, it, it didn't make any sense. It just seemed like bad editing, I'm yeah. sure, is the actual answer. Yeah. Right, this is my last question. I only got one more, and really, we kind of covered it, so it's good. Okay. It's a very simple question. Okay. Why is Wimpy Stanley's best man? Of all oh, people. man, I didn't even think of that. I could see, like, okay, he doesn't want Chico to be the best man. They're going in opposite directions. Oh, come on. I know why. Why? Because the crutches. He, he showed, he's so short he could double the ring bear. <laughs> <laughs> I actually like that. <laughs> Sorry, go but ahead. No, I think it's Butchie probably would have been. Well, one, I think it would have been Chico, but they had the falling out. Yeah. So Chico's ruled out. That's fair. I think it would have then gone to Butchie, but the, I think the, the crutches, he's like, no, I don't, I don't want a guy in crutches standing up there with me. Okay. So I, I think he, sure, I think Wimpy is the winner by default. <laughs> Right. The two greatest words in the English language. Yeah, that's a good answer. I think that's right. All right, so we kind of covered this, but I want to ask it for my last one. I, I realize we've established <laughs> that the lords don't necessarily think things through, but you got to help me. Who starts a fight with an entire football team? Guys looking for a fight, I guess. <laughs> I mean, no. Stanley's in his best Sunday clothes. <laughs> I love that that's, that's what Franny is most concerned oh, about. Oh, yeah. You're going to mess up your Sunday clothes. Not that he's going and maybe not that she knew that he's picking a fight with like 30 other guys, yeah. but that he might mess up his Sunday best. That, I think that was a really funny like image of the three of them in their jackets and their jeans, and he's in his like, it's not even that nice of a shirt. It's not, it's a, but it's like great. a bowling shirt. It is a bowling shirt, but you're right. He's the one who comes out with two football helmets. Yeah, I think that's part of why that's so funny is he's wearing his like nice clothes in this fight swinging football helmet. And he did a variety of damage. I think they didn't expect to pick a fight with the whole football team. They were looking for one guy and it just so happens he was near the football team because I don't even know if that guy like because Jane is now presumably seeing this other guy. It's not even clear yeah. if they're in a relationship or she's just like. I think so because she's going. It seemed like she's now on another date with him or she he he picked her up out in front of school. Right. But that's before like she breaks up with Chico. That's before, because that's when they go, we got to steal a car, and then they steal a car for Chico, and then she, no, I her think, and Chico go to the drive. No, I think you see again later, after they've kind of had their falling out, he picks her up again, and that's when he's like, that. that's when Chico decides oh. he wants to go pick a fight, basically. You see that she's 
he's driving her around. Yeah. But I, I, I don't think there's any confirmation that they're actually dating. It's just like, she's getting in the car with that guy. Let's beat him up. You know, well, I think that's, maybe I'm as bad as Chico, but I jumped to that same conclusion that he did. But I think regardless, I mean, it's obviously not justified either way, but I mean, it's, it's like, again, this movie's from their point of view, from the Lord's point of view. So it's just like, that's enough. That's enough of a crime. Letting, letting uh, Jane get in his car. It's like, well, we got to beat him up now. He shouldn't have done that. I don't know if he's supposed to be on the football team or not, but I mean, he was. I took it because he's got a link. I mean, it's not a. You didn't see any letters on it, but I took it. It's a Lincoln jacket. I took it that he's at, he's in a sport one way or another, even if it wasn't football. But the football p- team is practicing, and he's coming out of the school. Yeah, so he's not in his gear. He's not. You're, you're right. So he might not have been on the football team, but he clearly. I think the football team probably knew who he was. I took it oh. that he probably you know. Right. was popular, and, and if he didn't play sports, people knew who he was. No, I think he probably did play sports. He probably plays other sports. Basketball like he, yeah, or something. He, he plays knows? in some of his buddies on a football team. Yeah. They're, they're going to back him up. Like, yeah, I think it was probably just bad luck. Yeah. The Lord showed up and was just like, we can't <laughs> back down. Yeah, right. That's what I love, is they don't retreat. Oh, yeah, they're, they're tough guys. They, they don't dare back down. They'll lose all their mystique. They'll, they'll, they'll lose their tough guy image. So they got to fight. <laughs> but Because the football team is behind tough them. Tough guy right? image in a bowling shirt. <laughs> sure. That's even tougher. He's willing to fight even in his Sunday best. But isn't the, isn't the thing he's coming out of school and they're like you we gotta get yeah, you and the, the football team's behind them. Yes, they call like, him out. They didn't expect the football team to get involved and they turn around. And like, well, they have to be pretty foolish. They walked right past them. Sure, obviously they're pretty foolish. All right, I don't think I don't think they were thinking this plan through. Nah, not they could have waited until he was like a couple of blocks <laughs> exactly. away from the school. You know. All right, all right. So we done. Uh, we, uh, that's it for at least for me for double that. All right, so we went to Silk Cozart. Oh, yes. yes, This is the Silk Cozart Memorial Internet Research Rabbit Hole where uh, I go into some deep dive about some piece of trivia that I was curious about, inspired by the movie. All right, named, yes, it is. named in honor of Silk Cozart's character from Eraser. It's a lot to explain. Like mo- most episodes, <laughs> I'm not explaining the full context of why it's called Silk Cozart. I feel like I need to do that, do a better job of that. But anyway, the thing that I latched onto this time is the fact that Sylvester Stallone and Henry Winkler have a very strange thing in common. And I'm wondering if you would even No, I don't I don't even have a guess. Uh they're two actors who have statues of them, not of not dedicated to them, in but character. dedicated to fictional characters in that character. they have portrayed. I didn't know there's one of the fonts. There is well obviously there's the Rocky statue in Philadelphia yeah. and Milwaukee, Wisconsin has the bronze fonts. Oh, you know what? I vaguely remember that now when I was, you know, I had to go up there for work a bunch, mm-hmm. and I thought about going over there, and I never made it. I, I have been in the presence of the bronze funds, and I'm going to Milwaukee next weekend, so maybe I'll, maybe we'll, I'll, I'll post, insist that we sweep, sweep around. Yeah. That's embarrassing as a Rocky fan that I've, I've seen You've the seen bronze funds, but I've never seen the Rocky statue. So anyway, I thought, okay. Who else, what other actors share this strange distinction? That's interesting. I wouldn't guess there's very many. Uh, well, some caveats, first of all. I'm looking for permanent structures, not like I carved this out of wood or whatever. Permanent structures, bronze or concrete, like legit statues, yeah. right? Like that That's are fair. municipal fixtures. Yeah, uh, like a commissioned statue, right? Yeah, not just a thing that's like, I, I made this, yeah. uh, whatever. A part of the city, like right. an official part of the city. Yeah, commissioned artwork. Yeah, absolutely. Because, for instance, there is a Marge Gunderson statue in Fargo, North Dakota, which is carved out of wood. It's really? in, indoors. It's in some museum or oh, whatever. Man. But, like, you know, like I, wax figures, that yeah, sort yeah, of thing. I get I, it. I'm not counting that. I'm either. glad you just told me that, though, because now I, I'm somewhat intrigued to go to Fargo, North Dakota. <laughs> I, I don't remember. I mean, I, I glanced. 
Atlanta State, I'm like, that doesn't qualify. So I didn't look into the details. Right. Also, Marge never sets foot in Fargo, North Dakota in the entire movie. So her statue should not be there. It should be in Minneapolis. Minneapolis. Or it should or be in Brainerd. In, <laughs> take care of it right there in Brainerd. Yeah. I guess it should be in Brainerd. Um, okay. And I'm ruling out statues of celebrities where it's ambiguous whether it's in character or not. Like there's Bruce Lee statues that are like real bronze Bruce Lee or like there's a Marilyn Monroe statue where she's in the pose with the air yeah. blowing up. That's obviously from a movie, but in my mind, that's not a statue of that character. It's a statue of Marilyn Monroe or Bruce Lee or whatever. There's a Lucille Ball. Like those I'm ruling out. It, it has to be definitively, specifically a statue of the fictional character. Okay. I mean, so no the ambiguity. Mon- the Monroe one I could see where people would argue, but the rest I totally get. But whatever, just I, 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 I mean, it's your qualifications. I'm, 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 on board. I'm ruling out the Marilyn Monroe because I, also I think it's like what the statue is called or whatever. It's okay, like, no, 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 it's a statue of Marilyn Monroe, not of as opposed to whatever that character whatever was. Character. And, was it a seven year itch? That oh. sounds right. Yeah, it's it's not some like it hot. It's, yeah, it's, I think it's a seven year itch. Yeah. But whatever. Okay. Oh, and also I'm ruling out characters that have been portrayed in television or film, but the statue is not of that portrayal. So, like, there's a Superman statue in Metropolis, Illinois. Yeah. It's just of Superman. It's not necessarily specifically Christopher Reeve, Reeve or okay. whatever. Yeah. Um, there's the Dick Tracy statue in Naperville. Yep. Uh, which I never knew was Dick Tracy until doing this research. I just thought it was just like some like. Oh really? I just thought it was like a, a statue to like law enforcement. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's actually Dick Tracy. No, I yeah. never oh, knew that. Yeah, because of the creator. I mean, that from being from he's from Naperville. Oh, I never knew that. Yeah, so, of the comic strip that was in the newspaper. Oh, yeah, I, ne- I never knew those details until doing the research of this. So the only reason I, I knew, I've been past that statue plenty of times. Yeah. I never knew it was of Dick Tracy. Yeah, I just, Dick Tracy. I thought, oh, guy in a trench coat. <laughs> um, there's a Godzilla statue in Japan. Like there's all like Yoda. No, that's obviously like a puppet so yeah there's a darth vader statue in ukraine like these are being ruled out no actor i'd love to know why there's a darth vader in the ukraine know. who knows oh actually i do know i come to think of it i did read a little bit about this because in the ukraine there was a d de, uh, uh de-sovietization i guess yeah. after the soviet union fell and it yeah. was like we need to get rid of all statues of stalin and stuff and rather than getting rid of a statue of stalin they like recarved it or something <laughs> and turned into darth a vader oh too stiff my cap yeah, to you it, ukraine pretty funny I, actually i do i do remember reading about that and thinking like <laughs> okay that's pretty clever yeah so you assume that was like in the 90s or whatever yes. they just like <laughs> recarved it um which it's pretty funny okay Let's get into it. So there's a there's a category of these that were put up by the TV channel TV Land as a stunt, as a gimmick. Uh, I've seen one of these actually when I was just in New York City. Ralph Cramden. Ralph Cramden is on here. He's in the New York Port Authority. Yes, and the reason I know is the geocache brought me there. So I I have been and I have posed for a picture and gotten the information. Oh. So I know about the TV Land only recently, like within the, in November I was there. So. Does it say on a plaque there, like erected by the TV channel it's TV, TV Land? Land? It absolutely does. But like yes. that's a legit like a bronze. Oh thing, yeah, right? hundred percent. It, it's a real statue. Yep, hundred percent. So they must have spent a lot of money. So so these are kind of I'm treating these as legit, but they're also kind of a publicity stunt. Yeah, I mean, so it's, it's like it's marketing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And some backstory. The Bronze Funds was originally going to be a TV Land statue. TV Land stopped their promotion. I guess it was costing them too much money and they weren't getting any benefit out of it. Yeah. So, I, I actually I have to tell you, I don't understand. No, it's it's not a smart gimmick. <laughs> no, whatever. Because only people in that town are gonna see it. I'll go through the TV Land ones, but they were going to do a Fonz in Milwaukee. TV Land said, no, we're not going to do it. And the city said, oh, people in Milwaukee, hey. people, people in Milwaukee are disappointed in this, so we'll put up our own. Outstanding. So, so the bronze Fonz is not a TV Land promotion. Okay. It's an official statue of okay. the Fonz. Uh, okay, so there are five of these TV Land landmarks. Mary Richards from the Mary Tyler Moore Show in Minneapolis. Okay. Uh, 
Andy Nopi Taylor from the Andy Griffith Show in Mount Airy, North Carolina, which was Andy Griffith's hometown. Oh, man. Uh, Samantha Stevens from Bewitched in Salem, Massachusetts. <laughs> Are you serious? That one I thought was funny. Like That one is to, awesome. To put that in Salem is yeah. a pretty funny idea. Uh, Brett Maverick from the TV show Maverick, the James Garner version, is in Norman, Oklahoma. I don't know. I think that's uh, uh, James Garner's hometown. Okay. And then Ralph Cramden in, in New York. Interesting. So th- those are interesting, like choices of the ones that got put up and where they got put up. That is interesting. I mean, I'm sure it was like because TV Land has the rights to all those shows, right? So it's just like, well, we have the rights to use the likeness of Brett Maverick. You know, like uh, I'm sure they were limited by whatever they had the rights. Yeah, to. Yeah, but it's also interesting they picked like why did they pr- Bre- do Brett Maverick before they did the Bronze Fonz? You would think Happy Days. That's and true. Fonz, yeah. you'd do first, right? Like Ralph Cramden, I get that's a high. Tr- that's probably the first one they did. It's New York City, probably. Even if the Honeymooners isn't their most popular show, that's the one that's going to get the most traffic. I get that, but then Andy Griffith's hometown. How many people are going through? No wonder oh, why yeah. that they abandoned this idea. Nobody is in Mount Airy, no. North Carolina. It's a, it's a small North right. Carolina town. Like yeah, yeah, no one's gonna ever see it. Except for the people in the town. Yeah, now I kind of want to go there just to see it. I think the Minneapolis, the Mary Tyler Moore one is like outside the Mall of America or something. Okay, like it's, yes. that's in the that's in the yes. place. So that one makes sense too. Yeah. Okay, so but those those are like barely like I'm not sure if I feel like those are legit because TV Land put them up. Yeah, like they're all nicely a, done bronze. It's statues. a marketing gimmick. So okay, here's the list of I feel like legit. I mean, to be fair, the Rocky statue was done for Rocky three, and then he just left it. Here, the city can have it. So <laughs> I guess that's also kind of a gimmick. <clears throat> anyway. Here's the list of ones I feel like are the most legitimate. There's a statue of Columbo in Budapest, Hungary. <laughs> are you serious? It's just a, a it's Columbo and like a dog, and he's looking at the dog like puzzled. He's got his rumpled like coat on or whatever. <laughs> I would love to know the backstory. Yeah, I don't really know the backstory. I tried to find out. Uh, I work with people in Hungary all the time, so I may have to ask one of them to go over there and be like, "Hey, can you take a picture of the Columbo statue? Go find it. I, who knows if it's close to their office?" Columbo. <laughs> I'm just going to tell the audience, I really enjoy Columbo, so that this has a, yeah, yeah. a special place in my heart. It's a really well-done statue. Look up the statue of Columbo in Hungary, because it's, 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 he's so rumpled, and he's like, ah, he's making a face like he's just so upset about something. <laughs> um, it's really he's good. just got one more question, though. <laughs> exactly. I've seen maybe 10 episodes of Columbo, and I've loved them all. Oh, I really? Need to really get, I've seen... I, I, need to I, don't, I couldn't like, recite them to know, but I bet if they were on, I'd say, nope, I've absolutely seen this one. I know I watched the ones that... Uh, Steven Spielberg directed like those are the ones I, I was like I, I didn't I'll, even know he directed any. yeah he directed two or three wow uh, okay so we've got Wizard of Oz, char- Oz characters in Lincoln Park Chicago yeah uh, it's it's Oz Park so there's a statue of Dorothy the Scarecrow the Tin Man Cowardly Lion so and those are very much from the movie yep so that's clearly 100%. from the movie not from the book or whatever no that is the spirit there is a statue of John Wayne and Maureen O'Hara fr- in a pose from the Quiet Man in Mayo County Ireland mm. I've never seen The Quiet Man. Nope. Uh, Not a big John Wayne fan, so I haven't no, seen a lot of his stuff. Me, me neither. Uh, okay, there's a statue of Napoleon Dynamite in Franklin County, Idaho. Really? Which I guess is where they filmed that movie. Yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> I would have rathered Uncle Rico, but I understand why it was Napoleon <laughs> that Dynamite. That movie has aged terribly. I don't know. I that, haven't seen it in a long time. That movie does not hold up at all. It's. I mean, whatever. It's one of those movies that is already odd to begin with, so what, yeah. it's always going to have a following, but... Yeah, I don't know. That, that director was like, oh, wow, this guy came out of nowhere and made this really interesting movie, and then, boy, he never did anything after that. I so. haven't even looked. So. He did a Lucha Nacho Libre the, with Jack oh, Black. Oh, with Jack Black, yeah. I think that's the only other movie he's made. Okay. 
Uh, and then finally, there is a James T. Kirk in Riverside, Iowa, birthplace of James T. Kirk. That makes sense. Uh, the statue is awful. It looks nothing like Shatner. It is hideous. It's a hideous <laughs> statue. But it's him in his uniform with the, the little the, the, the Star Trek Delta, you know. So from both ends of the spectrum, we have Columbo that looks amazing and James T. Kirk that looks awful. Yeah. It's, I mean, I guess one is in a, a big city of Budapest and one is in Riverside, Iowa. So I don't know if that's you, driving you, the you, quality of it. You do know there's one you're going to have to add. Surely. Well, that's, that's the last pip on my, on my list, which is your favorite. The endlessly forthcoming RoboCop statue in Detroit, Michigan, which is what I wrote. It was supposed to go up last year. It didn't go up last year. It probably will never be erected. But until it's actually, I gave like ten bucks to that Kickstarter campaign. I hope how like 10 long bucks. ago? Oh man, <laughs> honestly, off air. If you really want to know, I'll go and look it up. That's but fine. I want to many years ago. I'm, I'm sure. no wait. Hold on. I'm gonna guess based on knowing like what job I had at the time when I first did it. I bet you it was 2010. Yeah, and still not up. It's yeah. almost been ten years, and the statue still does not exist. I, I couldn't figure out. I was trying to look up some details of why it, they haven't put it up yet. Because it was supposed to be erected in 2018, and yeah. for whatever reason, it never went up. Or I'm sure for reasons of the Detroit City Council is not a big fan of putting up a statue of RoboCop, for reasons that I've already outlined in a previous episode. <laughs> yes, you have. We'll just leave it at that. I want, I want Frank Murphy, the policeman, in his police outfit, pre-RoboCop Murphy. Murphy, it's that's, you. That's the statue I want. All right, well, that was, that was a good Silk Kozar corner. All right, thank you. I, I'm sure there are more that I missed. I did my best to find every yeah. instance, but uh, just I, some examples of fictional characters, statues of fictional characters. All right. All right, so we went to the body count? Yep. This movie, we only killed 48 people. Compared to the last one, we killed 119. This is very easy to do. Yeah. I mean, nobody is even that badly hurt, despite all the fights. and Nobody's really in peril at all. No, yeah. Um, but anyway, this is the segment where we compare Sylvester Stallone's body count to Arnold Schwarzenegger's. Arnold Schwarzenegger ended with an average body count of 14.76. Uh, Sylvester Stallone still is sitting at 227 on the body count across 25 movies now with an average of 9.08. Obviously, he didn't kill anybody in this movie. He Nobody need, killed he anybody. He needs Rambo. It's coming soon. Yes, it It'll is. either be next or the one after, so we'll see. what. We'll uh, see we're not quite there yet. We'll see shortly. All right, let's uh, give out an award. Yes. Still makes me laugh. Uh, so this one was very easy for me. I don't know about it for you. Uh, I don't know if I'd say easy, but in the end, I didn't put a ton of thought into it. But <laughs> I don't know if that means it's easy or I'm lazy. But uh, well, for me, I I went with, and it's not just because it's Stallone. Uh, I went with Stanley and Stallone. I think he's given a great performance. The match balancing with the cigarette uh, <laughs> yeah. was reason enough alone, but I'll, I'll go a step further. Being the inspiration for the Fonz and Henry Winkler, that put it over the top. Sure. Yeah, Stallone had a much bigger impact on pop culture than even we realized because yeah. he's responsible for the Fonz indirectly. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I also gave it to Stanley and to Sylvester Stallone. I think I know I had said on a previous episode that he tends to have the role where he's not really standing out and someone else is upstaging him and, yeah. and giving a big bombastic performance. He's giving the best performance in this movie. Uh, I think he's playing the most interesting character. Uh, you can see how I think this movie kind of gave him the opportunity to get Rocky made, and you can see why. I mean, I, I think his performance stands out in a movie with in, with pretty good performances, considering the low budget nature of it. I yeah. don't think there's a bad performance, no. other than maybe that teacher. 
Class, yeah. you calm down. She really reminded me of some teachers I had in junior high. Like, that teacher. <laughs> well, like, then maybe that, she's giving a good performance. I guess so. That, that's a good point. You're right. Because I, yeah, I had teachers like that in junior high. Really? It actually gave me chills. What This teacher's like, oh, I've had teachers like this. That Private seemed, Catholic school is full of teachers like this. Okay. To me, that seemed like a Hollywood version of a teacher. Because that's not what I... She mean. reminded me of one teacher in particular. I won't, I won't give her name, but... Um, she used to she used to do this. She it, it, it was grade seven, classroom three, and so they got shortened to seven three. That was like yeah. our homeroom, or whatever. Okay. And she used to be like seven three seven three. Like she would just address us as the na- number, rather than like, "Hey class," like, and then she'd be like, "Pipe down! I am not repeating. I am not repeating." <laughs> and it was the funniest thing in the world to us. <laughs> Every day she would do that. I am not repeating. I am not repeating. Anyway. Uh, a contract is defined by Webster's as unbreakable. Unbreakable. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but yeah, Stallone, I think he's the standout of this movie. And Absolutely. I don't give it to him enough, and I think he it's well-deserved here. He's, he's no. really good in this movie. I, I think your summation, though, is right, is that many of the movies we've covered, he is the exact opposite. He is not standing out. He completely stands out in this movie. To his detriment, I think. I think almost the worst thing that happened to Sylvester Stallone is becoming the biggest movie star in the world. You know what I mean? Like He's a great character actor. And movie stars don't get character actor roles. No, they, they get don't. the role where they have to just be the, the... They have to be a movie star. The strong, silent type. And yeah. it's like, Stallone can do so much more than that. Assassins is a great example. I mean, we, we picked on Assassins a lot. And, uh, you know, if he had had some sort of a character, like something more interesting than just like the strong, silent type... It, it would have been a better movie. He's capable of so much more than yeah. that. Despite the fact that it's the lead role. And it's like, obviously from a financial point of view, that's I'm sure he benefited greatly from... He got paid $15 million to do math, uh, Assassins. This whole budget is 150000 yeah, So exactly. maybe I'm sure his life has turned out much better by taking roles that are less interesting, unfortunately. Yeah. I feel like we knock Stallone a lot on this podcast that is ostensibly, ostensibly about Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> but it's almost like it's more, it's less criticism and more disappointment in some ways. Like he, yeah, missed opportunity. Sylvester Stallone is so talented, and it shows in this movie, and obviously in all the Rocky movies, I, I think. Um, and so when you see him, him in a role like Assassins, it's just like, man, he's capable of a lot more than that. So here, here we see it. So, yeah, well-deserved. Let's move right. on to rating this thing. Yep. Hey, hey, what the hell are you doing? You're punching car accident victims. No, 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 you don't understand. He was bad enough in my film. So this is a segment where we try and rank the uh, film overall uh, based on Rocky opponents with Apollo Creed through Spider Rico. Yep. That is our scales, the Rocky opponents. I, I'm curious to know if I brought your rating up at all. I'm I'm willing to come up. So I, I came into this with a Tommy gun. I'm I'm willing to move it up to a Mason Dixon. Yes, I, I'm willing to move I'm, it up. I'm treating this as a victory. It's, I don't even like this movie that much, but you know, I, I there there is more there. I I still I still feel it's a lot of scenes thrown together. But you've convinced me on the Stallone in particular that there's an arc, so I, I'm willing to move it up. Because, again, to give it a Tommy Gun, this isn't a movie that like I hated. I just am like, this isn't a very good movie. So this is one where, no, I think you've, you've convinced me there's more to it than I thought, and it's worth kind of moving it up. It's a movie, it's a movie that uh, I'm, I'm not just saying this to get the sound bite. It's a movie you have to meet halfway. Oh. <laughs> That alone, actually, I'm. I'm, I'm I was halfway through that sentence before <laughs> I realized, like, uh oh, I'm saying I'm gonna get the movie, the movie halfway. <laughs> yes. um, but uh, no, it, it. I think you have to go digging for the substance in this movie. Yeah. I think it's there, but it's not gonna hand it to you. It, in part because you gotta, work. I, you gotta work for it. Yeah, I think in part because it's deliberately trying to kind of 
show you know, these are characters that are not particularly self-aware, and it would be weird to have a scene where it's like, oh, I'm going to change. I mean, the one character that says, I'm going to make something with my life is totally being sarcastic. But I do think that, that is hinting at the substance underneath. So I think, in part, it's deliberate on the movie's part to have that ha- happening on the surface. I also think, in part, it's because this movie is badly made. And so it's being obscured by all the terrible music and all of the bad editing and <laughs> the bad filmmaking. But wait, wait a minute, let me ask you, if I'm meeting you halfway, do you have this as a clubber lang? I do have it as a clubber lang. Oh, man, wow. Yeah. I'm shocked by that. Because I liked it. So, okay. I mean, I'm not going right. to give it a Mason Dixon and say it's mediocre. I, I enjoyed it more than that. Okay. All right. Well, then I did meet you halfway. You did. Well, I'm, I'm saying I met the movie halfway. And then you met me halfway. Yeah. It's almost like a rock, paper, scissors thing <laughs> happening. Now the movie needs to meet you halfway and everything will be even. Touche. Um, yeah, I liked this movie. I, I, again, the scale of Rocky opponents is not a hard and fast thing. Like I gave it a clubber lang. It doesn't mean I like it as much as I liked Rocky 3, which I also gave a clubber lang. I'm not saying that they're, yeah, <laughs> both movies you. are the same quality. They're well, obviously not. There's varying degrees because there's some things that are right on the you know the Mason Dixon line, if you will, like this one. I moved up to Mason Dixon, but I, I guess I guess more to the point, I could give a Mason a uh, movie a Mason Dixon rating, and I, I could like it more than I liked this movie. Oh, see, for you know me, I mean? it's it's harder and faster than that. I I know. I uh, to me, These, I'm trying to chip away at the the the, <laughs> the, the, the scale has hardened. The, the concrete has hardened in a way that I don't. Oh, I don't <laughs> like. Apparently, it. it's that thousand year old Roman concrete too. It's yeah, exactly. Lost forever. Yeah, well, that's I'm trying to I'm, I'm trying to unlose it. I guess I don't know. This metaphor is falling apart quickly. All Much right. like a ra- rating system. No worries. Apart. No, I, I it's a soft rating system. I don't, I don't. It's it's all about feel for me. All right. I like this movie too much to give it a Mason Dixon. That's fair. So that's that's all I say. All right. Well, I'm uh, I'm ready to move on to the next one, and um, I've got two categories to choose from. I'm up. Yeah. So uh, we have we have voiceover work left, and we have the Rambo category left. I had revealed that I was del- deliberately saving Rambo, but it's your pick, so you can you can really screw me and leave the voiceovers to me if you want to go with Rambo too. So here's the thing. I wouldn't blame you if you did it. I probably would if I was in your position. <laughs> I, would, I don't want to pick a voiceover category. This, this season has been rough, and I want to go out on the highest note that we can go out. Rocky IV is going to be a high note, yeah, in I my think, view. I, I mean, so I'm too. very excited. This has probably been the, the most I've been looking, not just because it's Rocky IV. I feel like we really need a Rocky movie here at this point. Yeah. Uh, so with that, I did not want to... I wanted to end on a high note, so that meant I had to go to the voiceover. I couldn't pick the Rambo movie. I mean... I want to go Rambo, Rocky Four. so I decided I'm going to pick an animated... or uh, Yeah, a voiceover. All right, before you announce your pick, I, high note is going to be relative, because I've I, said before, I, yes, I, I, Rambo 2 is my least favorite Rambo, but at least it's an action movie, and it's going to be... There, you hit it right there. It's at least an action movie. It's going to be something... There's going to be a lot to talk about. I guarantee you that. Okay, I don't know it. So, but to me, it's like this is it, it, at least it's an action movie. So it fits like what this podcast is about. So that's how I wanted to end the season. So what that meant was, yeah, I had to go voiceover. All right. So we have three movies left in the voiceover category. One of which right now has not been released. So when we put this list together, it was supposed to be coming out within like a month or two, and it still hasn't come out. No. Animal Crackers. So that movie by default, default, default is ruled out. Please, well, I don't know what studio is putting out Animal Crackers. Please, for our podcast, put it out. You're ruining our categories. <laughs> we're almost the end of, se- of our second Stallone season. We're almost halfway through. Yeah, right, we're, exactly. we're almost halfway through, and that movie has still not come out. All right, so it was then became between Ants and the Zookeeper. <sighs> I 
remember Ants being a good movie, but I don't really want to have to discuss, really, the focal point of that movie is Woody Allen. I'm like, I'm not doing it. So, Kevin James, The Zookeeper, is our next movie. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I, I think we'll have something to talk about there also. <laughs> I think that's the right move because it's like let's just go for it. That, just, just, that's kind of what it actually was. It's like there's been a lot of tough movie selections here. I'm just going to put one more in there, and then we're going to get the Rambo and we're going to get the Rocky Four. Yeah, I mean, I, there's no question we've been pretty negative lately, and it's unfortunately, it's unfortunate just because I think I speak for you to say we don't want we're not trying to be negative. No, it's not our I, goal. I it, I don't want this to be the podcast right. Oh, this everything's yeah. garbage. That's not fun. That's not the podcast we want to make. No. But I think we will be forgiven if we're negative about the zookeeper. I think people will forgive us. And here's the thing, though, is that every once in a while, I do not think this is the case, but every once in a while, you and I have both been pleasantly surprised. That's true. You never know. And maybe this could be the one. Yeah, we we always give the movie a fair shake. We never... Because there could be... There could be... It could be... It could be a, an Ivan Drago. I mean, there could be so much gold... Unintended gold in this movie that right. we're pleasantly surprised. I don't think that's the case. It could be funny for entirely yes. uh, unintentional ways yeah. that we enjoy. And that's what I can hope for. So we're going with the zookeeper. Okay, there's always hope. <laughs> so, all right, join us next time when we discuss the zookeeper. If you've enjoyed the show, please like us on your podcast app of choice or give us a favorable review, which would be great. And uh, we always look uh, forward to hearing people uh, at Arms Rate Podcast on Twitter. Yeah, and uh, if you enjoy the show and you know other people who might enjoy the show, let them know about the show. <laughs> I'm just my, this part of the, the the pitch is just getting like I'm just turning into caveman. <laughs> if you like show, tell men about show. But not, right. not to be confused with the unfrozen caveman lawyer who was very oh articulate. no, he would be much more articulate than me. <laughs> well, uh, we we hope you enjoyed the show, and we uh, will be back with uh, the zookeeper. Say it. I know you're. I know you're going for a bit there, but there's gonna be music playing. You gotta say it louder. Uh, You're going to get drowned out by you and me belong to be <laughs> whatever, whatever music I'm going to put at the end of this. You got to do it louder. We'll be back with the zookeeper. You and me, we're riding down the road. Hey, it feels good to ride together. Hold on tight with all your might. Don't it feel good to ride together the way I'm feeling today? I never thought I could be so happy Having you by my side As together we ride I'm gonna have that song stuck in my head for at least an hour now That music was terrible I never knew I could be so happy to kiss you goodnight. Hey, 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 hey.